0: Hello Dreamers and welcome to the Dreamcast Years Podcast. Uh, This episode marks the halfway point of the golden years of gaming uh, that we set out to discuss here. Uh, Time really has flown by. Uh, So I'll start off this episode with a bit of an apology. Uh, Unfortunately, the lovely Rich can't be with us for this episode due to circumstances beyond his control. Uh, He'll be back next time though, but regardless, we'll miss him. Um, I'm sure he'll let us know all about his favourite 2002 games though uh, in the game of the year edition. So... Moving on, uh, as everyone will know, that we're in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic as we record this, Uh, and so as a way to try and give some entertainment to those self-isolating and also celebrate getting this far into the golden years, I've decided we're going to discuss a baker's dozen of titles this time around in a bumper-sized episode. Uh, So get ready, because we could be your hero, baby. Sorry, this is going to be a long, long litany Mm. of uh, song puns. Um, (laughs) So while we realise that you could listen to this pod whenever, wherever, uh, uh-huh. we're very glad that you're here with us now. Uh, we might provide you with a bit of a dilemma uh, with this being so long, but we got to get through this crazy time. So why not join us um, as things get a bit hot in here as we debate the best games of the year 2002. Uh, any one of us might have just a little bit of a divisive opinion this time, so let's get this party started. Um... <laughs> Before we get down and dirty, uh, let me introduce you to the fine folks who are joining me this time around. Bear with me on this one. Uh, now, this looks like a job for me. So everybody, just follow me, at, at, at oddment84 on Twitter, because uh, we need a little controversy, because it feels so empty without me, your host, Andrew Dickinson. Um, <laughs> next up is my co-host, uh, who hasn't been too well lately, uh, but it's OK. He'll die another day. Um, I would walk 1,000 miles just to chat with him. It's me, Julie. Uh, sorry. No, wait, it's uh, me, Steve. (laughs) How is it going, Steve?
1: Yeah, it's going all right. I'm exhausted and I just listened to all all those puns. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah I, I i'm sorry listeners uh you're also gonna be uh probably tuning out right now um i'll try and keep it to a minimum from now on um but you were, uh, are you doing all right in uh, in your self-imposed isolation over oh, there? oh
1: you know uh as well as can be expected i guess um yeah like you said i'm kind of poorly right now and i'm in day four of seven days of isolation wow. um yeah it's it, naive of me to think that it would be relaxy video game fun time because it turns out being sick actually is like kind of tough and really sucks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But hey ho, hey ho. Um, has cabin fever
0: set in yet, or are you are you kind of um, just about managing
1: slightly? Uh, slightly. Do you know what I hate? I hate that I can So my friend dropped off a load of shopping, mm-hmm. uh, which is good of him. But I hate that I can't just like nip out and get like like I really want a Twix. Do you know right. what I mean? Do you know when you just really want a Twix?
0: Yeah. Specifically, a Twix, yes.
1: Yeah, and I can't, I can't just go get a Twix, and that that sucks.
0: It does. That does suck. Um, yeah. So, listeners, if you want to send send Steve a Twix, um, please do. Yeah. <laughs> please send him a yeah. Twix. <laughs> um, so, moving on. Obviously, we've got no rich today. Um, so, next up is uh, our guest uh, this time around. Um, so, they're probably wanting to run and hide after all these song related puns uh but he can't escape my pod uh fine okay i'll stop i'm sorry um (laughs) (laughs) um, please welcome fellow podcaster fellow writer fellow imp and fellow geek daryl baxter how are you
2: i was all right until i heard all those puns and now i just don't know (laughs) what to do But I'm good.
0: <laughs> good. I think that that is an end to the puns. I don't think I've got any more. So you're safe. You're safe now. Very it's all over. <laughs> um, it's
1: very it's very front loaded on the pun on the puns. But we're safe <laughs> yes. now for the rest of the podcast. They go on. It's fine. It's very fine. good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so first of all, big congratulations. Um, you are the reviews and features um, writer for Stealth Optional now. I believe is that right?
2: Yeah. Gear got announced today. I've been working with him for the last four weeks. Just doing all the content so yeah it's surreal to have it out there now it's very odd
0: amazing so uh, yeah Congrats. Okay. very exciting
2: yeah yeah it's, it's surreal to now have a job title that says writer in it now after so long of <laughs> being a freelance so uh yeah it's good it's been really fun so far so yeah i'm looking awesome. forward to whatever it brings <laughs> amazing
0: um and of course you've uh so uh, i've been on uh, your podcast before the power yeah. keys and yeah. we mentioned or talked about um, fairly well quite a lot about the fact that we're both from lincoln uh, and of course steve is also from lincoln mm. right. so we have uh, three imps on today um and you've, you've just recently moved back haven't you how are you finding it being back in lincoln
2: it's still weird being back, to be honest, because you know there are some old haunts which are kind of there still, uh, and of course, like we spoke in your episode, um, we have got Damon still, which is still a treat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's weird, like seeing the Cornhill side of town be totally redeveloped as well with the mm. cinema coming. Very odd, but yeah, it's good to be back. It's nice for social life again. It's. Uh, yeah, it's nice. Yes. <laughs> so that's good. That's good. Um, and weirdly, we all went to the same school as
0: well, just kind of slightly different years. I think I think we were a couple of years below us. Uh, me and Steve were in the same year. So that's. Uh, it's just weird how much we have in common. It's crazy, we're right? All, yeah. We're all sat here chatting together about video games, which is pretty cool.
2: It all led up to this.
0: <laughs> yes, our whole lives at <laughs> this moment. Um, so uh, my first question for you, Daryl. Yeah. Uh, is one that I have to ask everyone who chats with us on the podcast. Um, and that is, what is your favorite Dreamcast game?
2: Oh, why have you <laughs> done this to me? <laughs> Surprised you with one. It's crazy. Um, now, the thing is, I've been obviously a listener of your show for so long, and I've always thought, what would be the game I could pick? Because it either has to be an exclusive maybe for Dreamcast or a port. Because if it's a port, mm. then I can tell you right now, if I'm allowed. Go on. Yeah, so go go for it. Nice one. So it's Jedi Power Battles on Interesting. Dreamcast. Hmm. Yeah. Just because it's so much fun. It's got the the ridiculousness of Jar Jar Binks and Anakin where you can freely swipe them with a lightsaber and cause a paradox for future films. <laughs> and yeah, it's just treats of rage of lightsabers and force powers and it's just a lot, a lot, a lot of fun, like Silla Black, and yeah, it's it's great. And because I first played it on the PlayStation when I rented it in Blockbuster, in Trent mm. Road back in the day, and yeah, memories. Yeah, memories. And I had no idea it had a Dreamcast port until years later. And I thought, oh, it's just going to be one of those straight to ports that take like a month, and that's mm. it. But it was a total redo of it with new graphics, sixty frames a second, huh, and everything. Wow and couldn't believe just how good it was and because the secret character spoilers was darth maul in -hmm. this version you actually could use his double-bladed lightsaber whereas in playstation 1 it was just pretty much a a reskin of obi-wan so yeah yeah, it was a whole new character really great and because you had two-player co-op it was amazing, so I've just never stopped playing it since. To be honest, <laughs> sounds good. Wow. I've not played this, but you, you kind of sold me when you said Streets
0: of Rage with lightsabers. That's basically that. I'm <laughs> going to have to go find this game now because yeah. that sounds great.
2: Yeah,
1: it's... I remember. So I did. I did play this. I, if I remember rightly, you fight a lot of those uh, battle <laughs> droids in it, and they die really sat really satisfyingly. That's and it. You just sort of like chop through loads and loads of them. Yeah, it's really fun that game.
2: Yeah, yeah, so good. It's pretty much like you say, like the streets of game. That never came to Dreamcast, but with lightsabers.
0: <laughs> Amazing! That's that's a good choice. I'm going to have to go track that one down now. Um, it's kind of a left field choice as well. I guess most people would go for like the the Jet Set Radios or the other or games, um, something yeah. like that. But yeah, that's a that's a that's a good one. That's a good that's a good choice. Nice one. Um, so. Now we've got that formality out of the way, Um, what we usually do is we take a little bit of a look back at the previous year and then a a quick look forward uh, to the year to come. Uh, So obviously we're doing 2002 this time, so we're going to have a quick look back at 2001 uh, just to remind ourselves how great of a year that was. Um, So just to quickly remind you, um, this was the year that gave us Max Payne, uh, Sonic Adventure 2, Final Fantasy 9, GTA 3, Silent Hill 2, Shenmue 2. Daryl, is there
2: anything from that year that really stood out for you? Oh man, where do we start? I mean, <laughs> mm. there's a, there's quite a few games that when you told me the year, and I was like, oh man, because I remember getting a, a few games and you've listed a few that you've sent mm. to me. And there is one game that um you you haven't listed, uh, okay. which is Onimusha 2, which came out the same year. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh. which is a game that I remember buying on launch day and... You've probably seen on Twitter, I've just been advocating it's released on Switch as well, because I love the first one on Switch. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just the second game of that was amazing, with RPG elements, and you would go back to certain parts of the first game, Mm -hmm. and yeah, just such a good time. Yeah, Yeah, loved it. Nice. Loved it. That was a great game. I
1: I have a hard time separating that from, it was Onimusha 3 that had Jean Reno in it, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Mm, Those two games kind of bleed together for me, but I remember really enjoying them both. Yeah. yeah, so that's a good shout, right?
0: Nice. <laughs> um, I think me and you, Steve, have, have talked 2001 to death almost because we had quite a long last episode, didn't we? Uh, so there's mm. probably not much to say about 2001 for us. Um, so let's jump forward a bit to 2003. So this is obviously, we're going to be looking at 2002, but uh, have a look forward and see what 2003 will bring in the future. <laughs> um, that brought us the likes of Max Payne 2, Uh, The very first Call of Duty game, uh, Beyond Good and Evil, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, The Simpsons Hit and Run, SimCity 4, F-Zero, GX, and like too many more that I I just can't mention. Um, Out of those ones, perhaps, is there anything that jumps out that that you kind of want to mention, perhaps?
2: Oh, uh, Max Payne 2 jumps out to me. I Mm. remember being one of the first games I played on the family PC and... Uh, it was one of the first games before Half-Life 2 where it actually had some kind of physics on it as well, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you would like just easily, you know, do slow motion, bullet time, and use a shotgun. I remember the second level, especially where it was almost like a I think it was like a theatre. You go to the backstage and there'd be these random, of course in a theatre, all these like petrol cans, and Mm -hmm. as soon as you you shot them a couple times, they would just, all the models just could be like, it's that you know, definitely old two thousands of like doing cartwheels in the air, like you know, that, you know, and it was just so much fun, and that's what I remember most of from that game. So yeah, definitely sticks out to me that.
0: What about you, Steve, anything in particular? Yeah,
1: I mean, I was going to say uh, Max Payne 2 as well. Um, It was a phenomenal game at the time, and bullet time was really elevated by the fact that there were now physics. I mean, in the first game, it looked so good because of all the errant bullets flying around uh, and all the collateral damage that you caused. But in Max Payne 2, it was just uh, even better because obviously there were bits of furniture flying around and lampshades flying around and bodies doing cartwheels, as we (laughs) said. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was uh that was a brilliant game
0: nice yeah it was a good game I think beyond good and evil is' a, is a bit of a standout as well mm-hmm. I, I think it's, uh, I never actually played that one I think really? I watched
1: you play it for lot yeah I've never like had hands-on with that game at all I, I, I know that it's very well regarded but it's mm. just not something I ever got around to playing
0: weirdly so it's a very interesting game I think it's uh I, I think that now the sequel has kind of been talked up as this kind of godlike game and it's uh, it, but it seems like vaporware at the moment because we've it seen does, very yeah. little of it um but it be the first one is so well regarded that i don't think people care as long as they get a glimpse of something that <laughs> they'll kind of keep mm. on following it to the end of the earth um to hopefully get it one day but we'll see i suppose um all right well we've got a lot of other games to talk about so let's let's let's, let's uh kind of get to where we're where we're meant to be which is 2002 um and i'm gonna kind of as usual talk you through what kind of year that was um and this was 18 years ago uh, bear in mind uh, 2002 um a whole person who's able to drink a go. Um, so, that's <laughs> so, so weird to put it in that way. Um, so, in 2002, most significantly, considering what we're currently dealing with right now, in November of that year, the Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, or SARS, epidemic began in China. Weird. Wow. Weird that mm. it's, uh, we're kind of talking about that now compared mm. to what's actually going on. Um, so, yeah, that was a thing um this is also the year of um queen elizabeth ii's golden jubilee uh she celebrated 50 years um since she was crowned um however unfortunately because it wouldn't be one of these unless i kind of mentioned something particularly ho- horrible um the queen's mother died in this year not long oh. after seeing her daughter celebrate 50 years on the throne oh dear um moving on though another member of another royal family was born uh not long after that uh that's prince felix of denmark of course, who we all know very well. Good old Felix. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good lad. Um, So he came into the world on the 22nd of July uh, in 2002. Album wise, uh, we had the likes of Under Rug Swept by Alanis Morissette, Justified by Justin Timberlake, uh, Escapeology by Robbie Williams, and By The Way by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Some all right albums there, I guess. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Pretty good. Too bad. Bit of Red Hot Chili Peppers, always good. Um, let's take a look at the top 10 biggest hits of the year. Cause I think this always kind of shows you what kind of year it was. Uh, mm-hmm. as to what songs were popular at the time. Mm. Unfortunately, I don't think so far we've had a very good year in terms of this, but let's see what this one's like. <laughs> um, so number one, uh, biggest selling song of the year was hero by Enrique Iglesias. Uh, number two, uh, whenever, wherever by Shakira, uh, number three, unchained melody by Gareth Gates. <laughs> Dear, oh, um, no Number four, Dilemma, Nelly featuring Kelly Rowland. Um, Number five, uh, The Tide is High, Get the Feeling by Atomic Kitten. I like how they had to add in the little thing at the end of that song title, uh, like it was needed. Um, Number six was How You Remind Me by Nickelback, that uh, very popular song. (laughs) um number seven uh, anything is possible slash evergreen by will young that's not one song that's two songs that's so the slash uh by will young <laughs> um number eight was um the ketchup song by last ketchup oh wow yeah i forgot about that <laughs> yeah yeah so had i until i read this and uh, i don't remember that one at all oh uh, uh, youtube it later and you'll wish you okay, hadn't remembered right. it um <laughs> <laughs> number nine was a little less conversation by elvis versus jxl and number 10 excuse me number 10 Gareth Gates again Uh, any one of us um, stupid mistake Uh, stupid mistake could be part of the title it could just be my commentary on that song I'll (laughs) let you decide TV wise uh, we saw the debut of series like Spooks Footballers Wives Most Haunted The Osbournes The Shield CSI Miami Without a Trace Um, any of those ones that you were watching at the time No (laughs) no,
1: no, no (laughs) No, Good year for
0: games, but music and TV are a bit shit apparently Mm. Yeah, Yeah, not great so far Um, Maybe films are better Um, At the cinema uh, We were going to see the likes of Mm. Spider-Man The newest James Bond film was Die Another Day Uh, We had Monsters, Inc Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets Ocean's Eleven, Minority Report Uh, Any of those stand out? Any of those films that you remember seeing at the time? um uh, they're all pretty good aren't they really not bad mm. not bad films Oce-
1: o- oceans 11 was uh was great that's a great film that's supposed to come out the year before but i think that was one of many that was delayed because of um september 11th i think ah, yes Okay. that's true interesting um spider-man also was supposed to come out the year before also delayed um mm-hmm. but yeah they're good films
0: yeah well i mean dying of the days um kind of on the on the edge maybe you know i
1: don't remember which one that is to be honest is that the one with uh hmm,
0: which one that's is one, that that's the one with madonna in it randomly invisible and, car um, so yeah Halle berry oh god oh yeah that sucked yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah you're right that sucks <laughs> it wasn't the yeah. greatest of james Bond no films, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> <laughs> okay moving on um so i mean you can see, as far as media goes, it was a pretty jam-packed year. Maybe not the best year, but jam-packed nonetheless. Um, so it's also true for gaming. It's a really packed year. So we're going to take a look at thirteen uh, chosen games and decide whether they were a game changer, uh, just a game, or possibly a bit shit. Um, so we'll have a quick discussion about each game, and then I'll just ask uh, the both of you uh, kind of what you, what your thought is whether they're a game changer, a game, or shit. Um, so. Are we ready to go? Ready to start? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okie dokie. Um, so the first game that I've got on this list is one of the final Dreamcast games to be released in Europe. Um, and that was Res, which was released on the 20th of February. Um, Daryl, did you play Res?
2: I did, but not for a few years, to be honest. Okay. Um, I think it had a port on the PlayStation 2, like a couple years after. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I think, <coughs> excuse me, that's how it... I kind of um, got wind of Res, and it was a great game because it kind of reminded me of another game from the PlayStation era, Vib Ribbon, where it had those yeah. like oh, chalkboard yeah. things and it was really good. I mean, I really enjoyed it, but uh, it, it, in all honesty, it wasn't really kind of the game for me. Um, it's not really the game I kind of go for, but it was a good for maybe... 15 minutes, half an hour of play. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was all right. Fair enough. So you, you didn't finish the game
0: then? You didn't get all the way to the end?
2: No, probably three levels in and that was okay. it. Yeah.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> and you didn't get the uh, the trans vibrator, whatever it was? D- um, Unfortunately not. Thing with it? Unfortunately No, no maybe another no.
2: day. Who knows?
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Steve, is this one you've played as well? Um, uh, So I have played
1: it, but I, I didn't really get res at the time um i think i just looked at the well i listened to the style of music and i was just like i don't really like that style of music so i don't think this game's really for me okay um and so i didn't really play it that much i didn't really get it um i in more recent years i come to understand that it's something you know you just kind of have to uh, embrace the experience and see what Mm -hmm. it's like regardless of your music tastes um and i have come to understand that it, it is you know, it is just like a, a bit of a psychedelic experience, yeah. um uh, but still, I don't know. It's not something that 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 sticks with me really. Eh, it's something best. I'd really like to try in
0: VR. I bet it's. I bet it's.
1: Yes. Pretty intense. Mm. Uh, yeah, in VR. Yeah.
0: yeah, I'd imagine so. It's it's one of those that I definitely want to try in VR at some point. It does look great. So it's Res Infinite, isn't it? That they kind of did the VR port for. Um mm. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely an interesting game. I think you are right. It's one of those, because the music is so intrinsically linked with the gameplay itself, if you're not really a fan of the music, I suppose mm. it's difficult to then, uh, you know, because part of the game is that you add to the music with your actions as well. So you're mm. kind of adding like drum beats and stuff like that in as you're kind of shooting these uh, kind of ships or enemies that are going past. And it it, it is just a really trippy odd experience and i think mm-hmm. it's, it's one that has to be experienced but again it's it's not gonna be for everybody i suppose but there is uh there's definitely a, a a big um section of people a big uh, a big group of people who really love that game and kind of uh you yeah. know i remember you really enjoying it at the time i did i very very much enjoyed yeah. it and did I, you I,
1: um did uh did you get a trans vibrator i don't remember <laughs> did <you? laughs>
0: I, d- I did not i don't think it was available no. here at least not at first no. so i didn't no. I, d- I didn't get that but as far as i recall it was actually meant For a second person, so one person would play the game, and then the other person was supposed to have the trans vibrator, and very specifically, it was supposed to be like your female companion, as far as I recall. Wait, what? Really? I
1: yeah. Really? Yeah. I I always thought that was just something that people with dirty minds (laughs) extrapolated from it. I didn't realize that that was the intended function of that device.
0: I mean, where else? I mean, the thing is, you know, the controller itself has vibration, so where else are you gonna? Put I don't know you could I don't know there. I guess I it's a good question I don't <laughs>
1: have an answer to <laughs> hmm.
0: maybe I mean I could be completely wrong I mean you know listeners if I if, if I've got the wrong end of the stick here if if this is just a kind of an urban legend please tell <laughs> me but I'm pretty sure that I I think I'm right in saying that yeah it was it was meant to have this uh you know it was supposed to be the psychedelic experience and then the trans yeah, vibrator yeah. was supposed to yeah. be like this added thing um, I think they downplayed the fact that it was meant to be that yeah. mm-hmm. because that probably doesn't sell quite that well in the market that, that we have, you know, the, I mean, sex toys generally aren't something that you get with a game. So, you know, so, <laughs> you know, you don't get like a copy of GTA 3 with a, with a you know, with a free dildo. Um, but, you know, which they of, missed a trick on. They, they really did. Yeah. Um, you know, at least a voucher for a prostitute, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, it it was it was an It's one of those experiences. It's an experience. That's exactly what it is. It's like it's an experience more than a game. Um, But i I've
1: recently been playing um, Abzu um, Mm. Mm. on the PS4, and I think that owes game games like that owe something to games like Res. Um, Yeah, they were not that common at the time when Res came out. Just sort of these weird graphical experiences that you sort of sit through. because it's not a particularly hard game if i remember rightly res it can be it's um, it can just be. sort of something to just kind of it's kind of like a roller coaster ride that you sit through um and mm. experience uh you i mean you're saying that there is a challenge to it and and um i suppose that's good too but 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 yeah so uh res res seems important but it's just not something that i ever really got sadly
0: mm I mean, it's weird because it's, it's been ported to so many things since so that I think there's definitely something to it that, you know, I, either people really enjoy or Sega really, really wanted people to play this game, regardless whether they enjoyed it. Because uh, it's, it's had ports like Android to PlayStation 2, PlayStation 4, Xbox, uh, PC. It's just gone everywhere, basically, since it came out on the Dreamcast. Um but yeah, and it was one of the games produced as well by Tetsu- Tetsuya Mizuguchi, who is uh, the guy who brought us Luminous and um, Every Extend Extra Extreme and stuff like that. So his kind of, I think that's his hallmark really, isn't it? It's the, it's the whole music hmm. Uh, hmm. music kind of as a as a gameplay element he, he really enjoys. Um, and I think he's gone on to, I think Rez is probably one of his experimental games and he's gone on to produce better games since perhaps because luminous is is quite well regarded i think as a, as a puzzle a puzzle game and i quite i quite enjoy it but all right um so i guess i mean i think i know where you're going to go with this um daryl what do you think is it a game a game changer is it shit i, I don't know What, do you, what do you
2: think? <laughs> i mean it's certainly a game i'll go as far as that um okay. but i think game changer probably not um because I kind of feel like it was swept under the rug for a fair few years and then revived as this VR game. So, yeah, I just think it's, it's a game and a fun one, um, but nothing more.
0: Fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, Steve,
1: what about yourself?
2: um i don't know it's a
1: tough one i mean it's definitely at least game but Mm -hmm. like i said i i I do think it was quite important in a way i think it was offering something that not many games were at the time Mm -hmm. like i you know you might think that absolutely is a bit of a strange comparison to make but i suppose what i mean by that is is you know it was something that was it was sort of like a trans game really it was it was uh offering you I don't know. I am finding it hard to articulate. Do you know I am trying to go with this?
0: I, I think so. It's it's it kind of it kind of influenced games going forward to you know be more experimental with how they did yeah. do things because it's you say like a journey was very similar in that. Yes, so like uh, yeah, that well. that's
1: another game I would compare to Res as mm. well. It's sort of it's less about your skill and point scoring and more about looking at this. Uh, incredible at the time visual fidelity and all these effects and everything and just sort of going through it Mm -hmm. as a whole package music and graphics together Uh, so i am tempted to say game changer to be honest for res in fact i will i will i will say res was a game
0: changer wow okay Mm -hmm. nice um you know i i would have to agree only well for the for the reasons that you gave is that it kind of influenced games going forward, regardless of whether it kind of did particularly well or whether loads and loads of people enjoyed it like not everybody has to enjoy a game for it to influence um gaming as a whole um Shenmue being a big <laughs> a big one of those as we know that's a divisive here mm-hmm. especially I will stop mentioning that game soon because it just feels like I try to bring up the fight every time but Rich isn't here uh-huh. so <laughs> that's fine um <laughs> so yeah no I think game changer because it, it, it did influence things going forward so uh okay first game changer of the show um, we're going to move on now to so i think the gamecube i believe it came out this year uh, in the eu mm. um or at least it came out at the very end of 2001 I haven't written it down in my notes here, but it was it was it was around this time that the GameCube came out, um, and obviously uh, at the time, uh, Capcom made a big deal with uh, with Nintendo to release a bunch of games uh, that were exclusive to it, and one of those uh, was this game, which is the Resident Evil remake, which released on the 13th of September of 2002. Um, so this is a a complete a complete remake of the very first Resident Evil game um steve i'll come to you first mm. what are your memories and thoughts of this particular game uh
1: my memories and thoughts of this game are that it was uh, incredible and that it was the best looking thing i had ever seen <laughs> um yeah. obviously big big fan of the original resident evil um and the fact that somebody had gone back and remade that game and given it such an overhaul that it looked so incredible um yeah on what was at the time cutting edge next gen hardware yeah it was an absolute treat mm-hmm. um really really good uh and it felt i don't know it's kind of a weird thing to say it felt like you know it felt like a game for grown-ups it was like a classy affair mm-hmm. uh there was still some camp in that game but it's very toned down and compared to the first one it takes itself quite seriously mm-hmm. uh genuinely scary as well with the crimson heads oh um, yeah yeah really high production value yeah it was great I, I, I really loved it at the time and uh, I really love it
0: now. I've got it on nice. my Switch and it's great. Amazing. Um, Daryl, what about you? Any any thoughts about this particular one?
2: I mean, I totally agree because this was pretty much the first remade Resident Evil that's now carrying on a theme with Resident Evil 2 from last year and now Resident Evil 3 in a few weeks mm-hmm. and I think even now it, it doesn't feel like it's an 18 year old game it, it feels like it was something that was released a couple of years ago or even just mm. on the Switch, it's. I think it's aged really well, and I was um, just playing it just a few days ago. And even like with the like those tank controls and things, it still feels like a brand new game. It's it's really fun and it's just amazing to play still, to be honest. And yeah, it's such a a fun game, and I think there were some extra sections as well in the remake, um, mm. from what I remember. But yeah, just certainly great and the spiders terrified me even more so yeah <laughs> yeah just a great game all around nice
0: yeah it was i think that what they did really well with that because this was this was an age of um people wanting everything to be 3d you know we'd had code ronica we'd had dino crisis mm. Mm. and there was you know there was probably a you know a, a possibility that they could have remade resident evil completely in 3d but what they did is they just um went to the next level with the pre-rendered backgrounds and uh, and then the, the 3d character models mm. and i think they did really well with doing that because i think that's why it's so timeless now is the fact that they did so well with those pre-rendered backgrounds because they look mm. absolutely beautiful um yeah. I think they had to do some work on them to, for the HD remasters that they did recently, which is always always makes me laugh that you've they've done a HD remaster of a remake of a <laughs> game. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's it is visually stunning, and I think it adds something. It adds a, a lot to the horror of the game. The fact that it looks yeah. like it does, mm. like Resident Evil One. I mean, it was scary at the time because you know. PS1 graphics that was wasn't the height of PS1 graphics fair enough but it was that's all you could get um but it was great that it was still scary and bringing it onto the gamecube and completely revamping the graphics as they did they kind of added an extra layer of horror on yeah. and I yeah. think you're definitely right Steve it was more adult and more um sophisticated i think that's probably the right word um and uh and uh, Daryl i think that yeah even with the tank controls like you say it was it was sort and i think To be honest, I think I've said this before, I think the tank controls add to the horror because it makes it more tense.
2: Yeah, 100%. So
1: I quite like that. Yeah, I mean, they're difficult to wrestle with, but they also Mm. serve a purpose, which is that you are helpless in that game Mm -hmm. um, and moving is difficult. Uh, and yeah. that just serves to heighten that sense of uh, helplessness in it um, the the thing I think the difference in terms of the horror like in the first game um, it, that, that, that game was it, it, it was tense because you were waiting for the next jump scare mm-hmm. whereas in the Resident Evil remake uh, it's tense because they are able to have atmosphere mm-hmm. and that's um, a tension that just didn't exist in the fi- in the first game just wandering around the corridors in the remake uh, is scary in and of itself just because they look so mm. oppressive mm. and you can see all the details of all the violence that has happened there at some point mm-hmm. um yeah it's really good
0: absolutely and the the additions that they made were really were really clever ones as well like the i think it's lisa isn't it the the kind of boss character that they added in um i think it's, oh it's yeah the, yeah lisa frank something like um and the, and the whole new areas that they added in Like there was um so in a, in the original there was obviously you kind of what came into the lobby and you know the lobby was the main area and in the remake they added a whole new section behind the stairs like there was a, like oh, a, that's a grate right. that you could go you have to unlock yeah. and it at least a completely new section of the manor that you never got to go to before. Um, it's one of the scariest parts of that game too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is what it played with your expectations because people yeah. were expecting certain things considering it was a remake of the first game. They they changed everything around. Like there was, a, you know, they had a lot of the original scares still. Like I think the original zombie that you meet when you go around that corner, you know, that mm. first, like mm-hmm. the one that turns its head um, and you have that FMV sequence. It's a really like gray, horrible zombie kind of guy that comes after you. Yeah. I think they still had that, but there was this, when when you first meet the dogs, one jumps through a window down a certain corridor. And i think they removed that and they moved it to a they different did. corridor yeah, that's right so yeah. it completely played with your expectations of of where you were going to get scared and, and what was going to happen and that's another thing you know you were kind of then waiting all over again for the next scare because you had no idea when it was going to come next and uh that was definitely that was definitely really cool mm. um all right uh i think that's probably covered it um steve what do you think game, game changer um
1: had we seen a remake um on this scale before the resident evil remake Mm. was this really done before
0: i'm not sure actually no because i remember
1: it being kind of astonishing that they did this at the time Mm. and i want to say for that reason alone i think it's a game changer because obviously remakes of games now is becoming a bit of a uh, becoming a bit of a thing isn't it Mm. so both because it's a great game and also for that reason i think it's probably a game changer
0: fair enough uh daryl about yourself
2: i agree 100 to be honest i feel like it started the whole remake thing and like, like i said earlier it feels like a game that was made only two years ago alongside mm. the revelation series of resident evil so and, and i feel like it kind of like set a standard almost for how a remake could be done mm. and if you put it alongside resident evil 2 and soon 3 it feels like it's a fantastic trilogy of remakes that really kind of doesn't really age to be on it stands the test of time so yeah definitely game changer
0: yeah. nice yeah i think timeless is definitely the right way to to put it It's a timeless i mean what they've done now they've they've turned a game that would have been a bit of a, a novelty nowadays the original resident evil game would mm. be and it is it's a bit of a novelty and they've turned that into something that's that is timeless and it's a classic and you can't not play it (laughs) it's a must play um so i think yeah it's definitely uh for that for the fact that they they kind of made it into an even better game than it was originally and the fact that it's kind of influenced uh the way remakes have gone going forward i think definitely a a game changer for me as well cool that's two game changers so far um uh, looking at my list, I've got a feeling we may have a few more, uh, but let's carry on. Um, the next game is one, and I'm going to come to Steve about this one first just because I know how much he he adores this game. Um, mm. And this is um, PS2. Uh, came out on the 8th of March, um, and this was Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of mm. Liberty. Um, Steve, mm-hmm. come on. Tell us why why you love this game so much. Uh,
1: um, that's putting pressure on me now, you know. Um so, yeah, I mean, so, okay, I, I mean, I loved Mel- Mel- Metal Gear Solid 1, um, uh, so, you know, it followed that I was going to love this game because it's it was very much made for me, um, but, you know, I think it is objectively a fantastic game, um, partly because, well, I mean, I say it was made for me... Uh, it's partly fantastic because also it wasn't made for me. It was also made to fuck with me. Um, it's one of the most um, notorious parts of that game was that it um, subverts your expectations throughout um, mm-hmm. with the protagonist not being Solid Snake, it being um, Raiden, who is yeah. an annoying, annoying twat. Um <laughs> But it was so it was so brilliantly ex- 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 executed. I mean, I, I'm, ram- I'm rambling now as I want to do when uh, MGS comes up. But do you remember <laughs> watching that trailer? Uh, what was it? E three two thousand. Do you remember? Uh, it, I was sitting in your dining room on your PC and w- <laughs> watching that first trailer. I feel like I feel like I should be remembering it, but my, the my tanker memory is... trailer. Do you not remember the first trailer? Like it was incredible. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's incredible. That trailer was in. Incredible. This is it was the like one the that f-
0: made it out that it was all going to be. It was going to be a yes. Game, so it right? was set
1: on the tanker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was. It was all the tanker stuff, um, and it was just phenomenal like it was the first time you felt like you were going to be playing a next gen game the stuff that you were seeing in there was just insane all of the details Mm -hmm. of all the physics and the enemy ai um and how you could play around with them and the detail of interacting with them and you could hold them up and and the detail on the tanker level um and and all of that was present in the game as well Mm -hmm. so you know it absolutely delivered on that on that stuff the first sort of hour and a half, two hours of that game set on the, t- on the tanker are, are are an amazing bit of fan service for Metal Gear Solid fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, so kind of similar to the first game in that it's sort of ostensibly schlocky spy fiction and then they sneakily tack on this other social commentary stuff onto it. In the second game, you're getting an MGS sequel, but then they also sneakily talk to you about um about memetics and um control of information and how people in power can control information things that are never more relevant than they are today Mm -hmm. um and it's so incredibly well done um and i'm gonna
0: stop talking now i just (laughs) but i love it it's so good it's such such an incredible game you can tell how much you love it i mean before i move on to that quickly i do i mean i don't remember us watching the trailer but i do remember you getting the game and um and as kind of kind of sitting and playing or you playing it and me watching and just the amount of things just in the tanker part of the game alone i don't know if there was a demo was maybe i'm thinking of a demo that we played but there was um i just remember you kind of walking around the tanker section and picking things up to throw um like you know like was there like cans and something you could throw to distract and um
1: uh no there were cans of stuff that you could shoot that's it so there was like a whole so on the tanker there's a whole like little bar section and every Mm -hmm. bottle and can on the shelf can be shot individually and they all have liquid inside that all come out there's a there's a a a can of ice cubes that you can shoot and it tips over Mm -hmm. all the ice cubes spill out onto the onto the floor and onto the bar and depending on how far away the ice cubes are from each other they all melt at different rates wow it's ridiculous
0: it's ridiculous (laughs) but it's fantastic i do remember that just being like you know just going around and and trying to trying different things um and seeing if they would work it's almost like grand theft auto 3 in that in that regard you kind of you go what if i shoot this or what if i Mm -hmm. do that and it's like oh okay and this this stuff happens and it's it it was like a little playground the first bit almost yeah Yeah. Um, and obviously it kind of opened up into something bigger and grander um, later on uh, with with Raiden, um, but yeah, that first that first couple of hours was just like you know, like you say it's complete fan service to the to the first yeah, game yeah, yeah. and and and, and, there, a, and a technical show, a showcase as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was basically a tech demo. You're basically mm. playing a tech demo at the start, but I mean, yeah. the rest of the game is fantastic too. It kind of drops the level of detail uh, for the rest of the game when you're on the um, when you're on the the, the big uh, shell rig. Mm-hmm. um but the rest of the game is fantastic too when you play when you're playing as Raiden it's just a very different experience to the one you are expecting as an MGS fan but I mean I was 100% on board I was like like absolutely shocked um at that twist where you weren't playing as snake um but I
0: was 100% on board and I just I absolutely adored it it's great <laughs> Daryl is this one that
2: uh that you played and enjoyed or do you have different memories of it Oh, where do I start? <laughs> um, <laughs> so the first game is an all-time favorite of mine. I love it. I absolutely love the first game. And then I heard about the sequel being made. And it wasn't E3 that I first saw it. It was actually in a DVD um, takeout from a magazine of, I think it was PSM. And okay. it had the full resolution like trailer for it. And the few things that kind of like amazed me was the fact that when it was in the alert status, you'd have these guards who would run up with the bullet shields, and it it switched to first person, did the bullets on the shield. But then it showed that you could actually aim down at their feet and then shoot mm. them instead, and that was a mm. wow moment for me. That's really kind of like what started off for me. So yeah, it was just an incredible game where it kind of like skewed how that kind of you know cross section of game and film happened really. And I started mm-hmm. with Metal Gear Solid 2. And I mean, when I was playing the demo, because that came with Zone to the End, as I remember, I bought the game mm-hmm. just just for that demo, mm-hmm. really. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think everybody did. Yeah, yeah. And it was just amazing just how I would spend hours upon hours on that tanker section. And you're right, it was pretty much a tech demo. Um, And I'd be in that little stock room where I could fire the bullets at the melons and it would like split oh, and yeah. explode. And it was mm-hmm. yeah great. I'd be shuffling all over that place crazy and also the cardboard box where you collect it but it would then get um wet as well so mm-hmm. that was a weird thing and there were so many factors in that game which made me think my god this is actually amazing and then when it got to raiden i mean when i first played it i was a bit miffed because it was a retreat of the first game but in the story sense it, it it made sense i knew why it was doing mm. it and but to be honest i still enjoyed it because you know you've got bosses like vamp fat man the harrier metal gear ray well hundreds of metal gear rays by the end and yeah i just loved it and it's pretty much why i have a vita in my, in my bag everywhere i go because i've got metal gear solid 2 on it constantly mm. nice nice yeah so wherever i am i'm just playing the game it's great and and i'm still amazed like it's pretty much like old man going the things they can do these days i mean it's the fact that i can play metal gear solid 2 on a handheld um mm. mental to me but yeah I'm, I'm digressing but yeah the only thing really i think that kind of was a minus was a section in the big shell bit where you were playing as riding and <laughs> you were guiding emma um Otacon's, um sister through the tank he had a hand holder and um, that kind of thing dragged for me and especially when it's a sniper bit as well but apart from that I thought it was flawless and I've loved it and I yeah it's amazing to me that it's been 18 years since it came out yeah, yeah. it's nuts <laughs> so yeah it's crazy and and the fact that it still holds up so well today
0: I mean I, I think mm. I'm the same as you I've got it on the Vita as well um and being able to play it like handheld and it's it's I mean it, it kind of even looks better than it did on the PS2 because yeah. they've been able to kind of smooth all the textures mm. out and it you know it's a bit more it's a bit sharper, um. Yeah, it's amazing. But uh, you're right as well. I think there was a lot of people who were kind of miffed at the fact that you played as uh, as a completely different character. Um, and there was, I think, there was a, a section of the fandom who who were really angry at that. I believe yeah. at the time. Yeah. But like,
1: but like that was, like that was the point. Like that, mm. uh, you know, you were supposed to be annoyed because it, mm-hmm. it's 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 talking about because um, it turns out that uh, Raiden's past. Was all made up um, for the game, Um, and he so Raiden has like a reverence for Solid Snake because he's this grizzled war hero, Uh, and the game is mocking Raiden for having a reverence for a grizzled war 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 hero, whilst also Mm -hmm. mocking the player. For being annoyed that they don't get to play as snake, like I know it's not it's not an unusual opinion uh, about Kojima, but the balls on that guy to 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 come out with a sequel and pull a stunt like that is mm. was just insane, mm-hmm. and I was uh, completely there for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean he he's proved time and again since that he's just. Um, he doesn't care he does what he wants to and uh that's mostly a good thing i guess i mean even death stranding kind of subverts a lot of expectations for people and uh, that's a very that's a very um divisive game as well isn't it that's uh it's one mm-hmm. you either love or hate i think yeah um okay well it sounds like there's a lot of love for this game um what we think? game changer uh, okay. yeah, Steve. <laughs> game changer game <laughs> changer no need to even ask. straight there game changer <laughs> Um, I, I have a feeling that most Kojima games would be, though. You know, like I think we said, Metal Gear Solid was as well. The first one. I have a feeling most would be. Maybe, maybe not Metal Gear Solid Four. I'm sure we'll come to that. At some yeah, point, but... maybe not four. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Maybe we'll, well, we'll skip past that one. Um. So yeah, <laughs> I guess uh, game changer for sure. I mean, if nothing else, for the, for the fact that, like you said, Steve, it felt it felt like this is what next gen was now. This is uh-huh. yeah the level of detail and yeah. 100%. Cool. So. Um, moving on, uh, staying with PS2, um, but something completely different from Metal Gear Solid, uh, this released on the 24th of May, uh, 2002, and that is Final Fantasy X. So, uh, I will go first only because I don't have much to say about it. It is a game that I wanted to play and wanted to enjoy, but I, I think I got to, I, it was, a, I think it was at this point in my life where, um, I think this is when I started uni so or I was about to start uni mm. so uh, playing an RPG that was taking multiple you know like 50 60 70 hours I, it pulled me away from drinking and, uh, and specializing <laughs> so I think I, I, I remember playing a good few hours of it but I don't think I ever played more than that um, and I do remember not being very enamored with the fact that it didn't have a proper overworld map like the others did um, and that I don't know. I think, I know I wasn't a big fan of Tidus either. I thought it was a bit of a, a bit of a twat. Um, so I, yeah, I don't have a huge amount to say. Um, I, I do know that it's very well regarded within the Final Fantasy fandom. Uh, Daryl, is
2: this, is this one that you've played? It's one of that I've played. Yeah. And it's one I've paid money for for the switch. And I tell you what, I've probably tried to play it four or five times throughout its mm. release. And I've just never gotten into it. And I don't know why. Um, I don't want to put a downer on it because I know it's, it's a <laughs> highly regarded game, especially with its blitzball as well. But mm. yeah, I don't know what it is. I just couldn't get into it um, because I remember it being announced alongside a couple other games. I think it was nine and eleven. I think at an event. Okay. Uh, but yeah, um, it was a right game. I liked it. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it from me. <laughs> might be quick um Steve what about you Uh, yeah I
1: think it might be quick because I don't have very much to say either (laughs) I remember being very impressed um that there was a lot of I think it it wasn't entirely voiced but there was a lot of uh voice acting in it and I remember thinking I was going to be really into that I was like oh it's going to be like watching a movie for 60 hours um mm. but i i uh, final fantasy 10 is kind of where i fell off on final fantasy generally to be honest okay. um it just never really clicked for me it's one that i've always been tempted to go back to i've been tempted to get it on
0: the switch but
1: yeah i don't know for some reason it's just never been for me
0: mm. that's fair enough um i think a lot of people are the same actually because the the ps1 final fantasy games are just uh there's a reverence for them that people i mean you know it's like it's like the holy trinity of final fantasy games 7 8 and 9 for a lot of people mm. and they went so far away from those games when they made 10 mm-hmm. um, and even further when they made 12 um i don't know yeah i think there's it uh, it's almost like so you know how there's this thing where you uh when like with me and the dreamcast for instance i i picked up the dreamcast when i was about 16 and it was like the perfect time of my life mm. and therefore i kind of fell in love with it and loved all the games and stuff um obviously by the time final fantasy 8 uh final fantasy 10 came out i was you know 18 19 um so i'd kind of almost i don't know it, I, i'd fallen out of that time of my life so if people had were around about 15 16 at the time that final fantasy 10 came out I reckon those are the people who, maybe who really got it. Perhaps maybe is that do you mm, think yeah I can get that. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't know. I think just... that
1: I think that happens generally uh, when you have yeah. a long running series like that there 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 is sort of a uh for lack of a better term there's sort of a churn of fandom um, mm-hmm. when they make changes to a series like that some fans fall off and new
0: fans come come along and yeah I think that's yeah. definitely true for for 10. Yeah. Yeah, it's, Mm. uh, it's, I mean, the story seems like it's great and it's probably one that I would like to experience somehow. I mean, that's what Let's Plays are for, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely not up there as with my favorite Final Fantasy games. Um, so what are we saying then? We're kind of skipping past this one fairly quickly. Uh, Daryl, is this a a game, a game changer? It's a game. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Steve? Yeah, it's a game. Yeah. Yeah, I think the same. I think that's, uh, it's a fairly, it's a fairly, fairly solid game, I suppose. Um, maybe one day I'll go back to it. We'll see. Mm. We'll see. Um, may- maybe when I've got more time, perhaps, um, says the guy with no job. Um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> moving on. Um, going back to the GameCube now. And uh, we are going to look at something that, it's, it's an interesting game for me let's see if it's an interesting game for you uh it is eternal darkness which released on the 1st of november uh daryl do you remember this one
2: i do yeah i um, i'll be honest it's not actually a game i've played um really no. it's okay. it's a game that i've heard a lot about and people on the podcast have been talking about as well and mm-hmm. yeah it's it's amazing just how um it's remembered and how people want a sequel to this as well you know yeah. All these years on. But uh, yeah, it's definitely something that I really want to play because I've heard so many good things about it and it feels like it's a different kind of horror that was introduced in the same year because it was only released mm. what, a couple months after Resident Evil Remake. So I feel like it was a mm-hmm. kind of a good opportunity for those to kind of get the survivor horror aspect and for this to kind of get a different kind of horror. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for me on this one.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Steve,
1: is this one that you mm. played? Uh, no. No, no sadly um again it's one that i have watched you play mm-hmm. um not really that big into horror games uh at the time so i didn't get that deeply into it um it's it's i remember being very intrigued specifically by mm. the insanity effects yeah. um but yeah it's just not something that i played or even really saw a great deal of s- sadly
0: yeah I mean, I, I can't say that I saw a great... I, I had this, and obviously you watched me play it, but I don't think I played the whole thing. Um and oh, I don't really? know why that was. Oh. No, yeah, I don't... I, I remember trading it in because, you know, again, this was towards the time of uni, and I think I just needed the money, probably for Blue WKD or Smen of Ice or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I yeah I, I trade it in because I, I don't know I, I enjoyed it and I, I like you say the whole insanity thing that the, the things that it would do to make you as the player believe that mm. you were slightly mad you know like it would it would show it, it would look like the game had stopped or it looked like the console had reset or you know things would you know things would look weird in in the environment but you know it'd just be yeah. playing tricks on you I think um, there's
1: one I think there's one that tells you your
0: saves are being deleted as well which is mm-hmm. a good one yeah yeah it's it's it was really good at that uh, that kind of making you think yeah it, it was breaking that fourth wall in a way that yeah. people probably hadn't done it before um it, it was messing with you um and it was yeah it was great um but yeah i i remember it being i i liked it and i still do want to replay it at some point i think it would be one that i would rebuy for the gamecube at some point but it's <sighs> again it's one of these that a lot of people like Rares, a lot of people have a lot of great things to say about it and I'm constantly hearing how amazing it is and and, you know I do have that experience of playing it but Mm. I just never finished it so it's I think I'm trying to remember I got up to it was something I I feel like I was in a barn there was like a barn (laughs) section (laughs) a barn yeah the barn um so, yeah, I think that's where I got to. Um, if, if people are listening and want to let me know how far through that was. Um, and even if I'm remembering that correctly, maybe there wasn't a bond. <laughs> completely, <laughs> completely uh, misremembering. Um, how far through was I? Let me know uh, in the comments. Um, you know, I, I want to know. Because if I was close to the end, yeah, great. Um, anyway... Yeah, I don't have a huge amount to say. I, I think it was very clever. I think it was a clever game, and it's a shame that they didn't do more with that, um, mm-hmm. and they didn't get a chance to make a sequel or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's why it's gained cult status to a degree, because yeah. that was it. that They released that game, and I think... It's Silicon Knights, wasn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. And I don't yeah. recall what... They, did they, it was too human they did after that, wasn't it? Like, they didn't use the game I'm for really ages. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's a shame that they didn't get to maybe let it see its full potential with a sequel um all right let's move on um and say whether we thought it was a game changer or a game i think i'm pretty sure pretty sure i can speak for everybody when i think we're going to say it's a game Is yeah. That right? yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, it definitely wasn't shit um but yeah i don't think it changed i don't think we, i've not seen another game do anything like that so it wasn't a game changer as such it's not it's not influenced anything going forward i don't think. Um. All right, hopefully the next one we'll have all played a bit more of. Um, jumping back to the PS2, uh, this one released on the 22nd of March and that was Ico. Mm. Um, mm,
2: Daryl, I'll come to you first, even though Steve made the noise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thoughts on Ico? Uh, it's such a different game, I remember. You know, as soon as I was borrowing it from someone, I just I couldn't believe the control of it, the graphical mm. style of it, the actual that feeling for the character that you're controlling as well um mm. just immense just crazy just how like emotive almost that that this game kind of made you almost it was it was amazing just how it did it and mm. i haven't played it in years years and years and years but i know that it's had a hd remaster on yes. a ps3 i think and i think it's on ps now unless i'm mistaken mm. but Absolutely. yeah it, it's just a a great game and i think really the only thing that kind of really um spoke out to me was the control of it actually it wasn't the gameplay or anything at all it was just how you would use the dual shot to control the character it was so different there weren't any really menus it was it was something else and yeah just really want to play it again to be honest and i feel like i really should after this yeah (laughs) definitely um i mean they 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 remade shadow of the
0: colossus for ps4 didn't they the Mm -hmm. sequel and i say sequel it's kind of spiritual successor but they they never they never remade ico which which is odd but that yeah did have a hd remaster um steve um i know you played this one because i remember watching you play it Um, yeah what are your thoughts on this one
1: um this game was beautiful at the time uh much in the sorry you're freezing up for me are you still there
0: me, yeah. Oh no, I'm still here. Yeah, okay, cool. sorry.
1: Yeah, 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 um, <laughs> the um, I I wasn't sure if you'd finished uh, talking. Okay. Sorry, uh, you can sorry. you can edit this part out. Okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, sort of in the same way that Res was offering something different, ICO sort of did as well. It was offering a real like atmospheric experience in a way that I hadn't played in a game before. It mm. was like Ico takes great lengths to put you in a space and make you really feel like you're in this old crumbling mysterious castle and it's incredibly atmospheric and incredibly intricate and hmm. it's one of those games where the you know right at the end of the game you can look back and see parts of the game that you played earlier so hmm. it really has this sort of uh, cohesive feel to it that you're in an actual castle wandering around um and it's incredibly well done it's incredibly it's not a horror game but it's like kind of creepy and tense mm. and scary in places just yeah. because of how oppressive this horrible old crumbling castle that you've been left in was um mm. and then obviously you've got to escort around um your friend whose name i don't remember um you've got to hold her hand and run away from the shadow monsters um and yeah, it was really it was an emotional experience. And when you got to the end of that game, uh it was really powerful. Um I remember finding it a very powerful ending. Um and it was really well done. Yeah, I really I really liked this game.
0: It was it was a great game. Um I'm struggling to remember the name of the so it was the female um the the, the female. Susan, Sorry. I think. Was
1: the... it Susan? Susan, yeah, it was Susan. Mm, that's um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good old Susan.
0: Um, I th- I feel like so in my head, um, I keep thinking of the song. Um, is it Hotel Your something um, White Stripes? Hotel Your Hotel Yourba, yeah, yeah. So I think it was something like Yorba. Oh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna look it up now. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, what what I, what stuck in my mind? What I was thinking of are you were both saying that was um, the fact that there were sofas for save points. That's that right. That always yeah. stuck out. That was yeah. weird because it was mm. this weird like environment that was very, you know, it was, there, was, there was nothing modern about it. The whole thing felt like it was really old. You've got the the guy who's been the the, the boy who you play who's been cast out from his tribe, hasn't he? Because he's growing mm-hmm. his horns. That's right. Yeah. Um, and he, he kind of has to go through this this place. And the, the whole point is you find this this girl who's uh, been imprisoned by her. I don't know if it's mother or something, but the the, the main antagonist is a witch, I think. And uh, she's been imprisoned. And the whole point is that you're supposed to uh, help guide her out of this yeah. place that, that you're in. And it is it's Yorda the girl is called your There you order. go, checked. yeah. So I thought it was something something like that. Um so yeah, it, it was you you're both right, it was really emotive. Like not just like you didn't hear anybody speak. They spoke in oh I don't, it wasn't Japanese, it was but it sounded it very a similar fake, to Japanese. A fake language, yeah. For faint mm-hmm. language. Um so you'd hear them speak to each other. You'd mm-hmm. hear um I cry out to to, to yorda um and she would kind of she would speak to him as well wouldn't she but you, you'd have subtitles that would come up to explain mm-hmm. what she was
1: saying no no actually if i remember rightly so you had a button that you could use to call out that you could use to call out to her if you weren't sure where she was um mm-hmm. or if you wanted her to come to you but I, I think throughout the game and i might be wrong on this but i think there are no subtitles for yorda until the second playthrough so you don't know what she's saying. you're right saying. yeah oh, that's you know right. what she's saying until you
0: play through it again which is really interesting yeah yeah that's right i remember that so yeah it kind of encouraged you to play through again and you kind mm. of got more of the story because it gave you got quite a good idea of what the story was just through what was happening well, but
1: it's kind of the storytelling was really interesting as well because it's sort of what um it's sort of what uh miyazaki does now in dark souls in that there mm. is a story there and it's pretty dense but mm-hmm. you don't read, like you don't pick up audio logs or, 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 or read ream, reams of text. It's just environmental storytelling yeah. that you're supposed to piece together yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Like you've been cast out from your village um, because you're growing horns and all of the shadow men that you run away from, they all have horns as well. Mm. So you kind of piece together yourself the, like is he gonna become a shadow monster at some point but you don't know you never yeah. get that answer and you don't know if that's the case you don't know if those shadow monsters are people who grew horns at some point but you, in you just sort of piece that all together yourself um and it mm-hmm. just it gives the whole thing this really mysterious kind of sinister
0: kind of not air it's really good definitely um all right uh just because i mean we, we could talk about this for a long time because it's one of those games that, that deserves kind of <coughs> an almost a, it deserves a deep dive i think all of the games but i can't remember the name of the developer the, the guy who made it because he made he then went on to make shadow of the colossus and then it was the last guardian for mm, the ps4 mm-hmm. wasn't it it was uh famito yuda mm-hmm. hopefully i pronounced that right uh, um so team ico um i think we could do a deep dive just on those three games alone there's just so much to delve I'd into say so, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, maybe we'll, we'll think about doing that um but okay, for this one then, uh, what were are saying, Daryl? Game, game changer?
2: I would say a game changer in a sense, yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah. Um, it, I don't think it made the impact it should have, but I kind of feel like it is a game changer in, in a lot of senses.
0: Mm. Okay. Um, would you agree, Steve? Yes,
1: I would. I would agree with that, yeah.
0: Yeah. I think you're right, Daryl. It probably didn't make the impact it should have done, but then I think Shadow of the Colossus came in and made that impact a bit more, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm um but yeah i would i would agree it was a game changer it was it did something very different that we hadn't seen before and uh, uh we probably don't see enough of it now today even um it would be nice to have more games like that i think yeah um all right, let's, let's go to something completely different. This one was a multi-platform game, which we haven't seen for a while. Um, up until this point, it's mostly been exclusives. Um, so this was on the PS2, the Xbox, and the PC. It did come out later on the GameCube, but not on this year. Um, this released on the 4th of October, and that is Hitman 2, Silent Assassin. Mmm. Mm. You did go mmm this time. I will come to you first, Steve. Um, okay. The um mm, has it. Uh Steve, uh, what are your thoughts of Hitman 2?
1: Uh, I loved Hitman 2. I didn't play Hitman 1 until after Hitman 2, so Hitman 2 is my first hitman game uh, and I have been a fan ever since. Um, I got it on the PS2 and it was great it was very different to uh, games at the time in that your objective uh, on each level was usually, although not always, usually to assassinate a person and then complete Mm -hmm. maybe a task or two and then leave the level. Um, And it's usually these open sandboxes um, and you've got lots of tools at your disposal um, and a sneaky control system in order to do it it's great i mean i liked stealth games anyway at the time but the thing that made this game so great was its atmosphere and its presentation um i discovered uh the composer jesper kidd because of this game he's gone on to do lots of other games since um i think he's done assassin's creed a few times but uh the music in hitman 2 uh silent assassin is is really good if you haven't heard it i recommend to go back uh, and listen to it i think it's his best work personally but i might be biased as a as a hip as a hit as a hitman fan um but the atmosphere its this really sort of dark tone a lot of it is set in russia so it's kind of got like a soviet slant to it as well um and it's sort of darkly violent uh and you spend time rubbing shoulders with people sort of important rich people in the seedy underbellies of society and you go in there and you sort of subvert things and, and and mess things up for them and then sneak out uh it's it's great really good game i think the only the only part of that game that sucks anyone who's played it before will agree with me is the japanese snow mountain levels they're terrible you just shoot loads of ninjas one after the <laughs> other and it's completely out of step with the rest of the game um but overall it's uh it's a classic it's a really good
0: game amazing uh daryl what about you have you got any thoughts on this one yeah
2: yeah so i think i played it first in a demo and going back to these demos again and (laughs) yeah i I was just kind of amazed just how much freedom you had in a level it wasn't just like like a linear point i mean before this i was just kind of playing the tomb raider games of like you know point a to point b into c and d Mm. and that was it Mm -hmm. whereas this one you had a lot of roots really in one go and i think this was the one um where it had the mafia level i think it was anyway um i hope it was um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so the one in the big mansion yeah yeah that's it yes yeah 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 Yeah. and just so much fun like you just like go up to the delivery guy and go hold up and just kill him and just <laughs> take his clothes and uh <laughs> just have him naked outside the front for no reason outside the front lawn and yeah it was just so much fun really which i remember most of really it wasn't the stealth or the me- crazy like soviet and ninjas that came about it was just the fun of it of feeling like you're just dropped in a level and you could, up to a point complete level in a way that you wanted to and i thought mm-hmm. that was really fun and yeah um definitely a fun game which i've been keeping up with the series ever since to be honest it's been great awesome
0: yeah it's, it's a proper sandbox game isn't it it's mm. kind of do what you you know you've, you've just kind of dropped and you can do what you like i mean i mean there were obviously restrictions back then because uh you know it was it was that kind of era the, the newer hitman games are, are much more open i think from what i recall the, the the ones 2000 it's 2016 wasn't it the the most recent hitman and then hitman 2 came out a couple of years ago yes yeah um which are awesome games. But I I don't have really any memories of Hitman two other than watching Steve play it. Um I was really wasn't into these kind of games back then. It was just they just weren't for me. Um I've since kind of gotten into them. I think I really I I, I did play a bit of Blood Money, but then it was really I got into it with Absolution, which was odd because it's very different for a Hitman game, hmm. but maybe that's that's what got me into it. Um it's quite kind of more linear, um, in terms of the storytelling and what it does, but I quite enjoy, I quite enjoyed Absolution. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's a good game. It's very different from the other ones, but I, is, I, yeah. I enjoyed it for that. Um, but yeah, I think Hitman 2, I don't think I can say much about it other than from what I remember of, of Steve playing it, it. Like you said, Daryl, it's it's fun and, and funny as well. Mm. Like the situations you mm, get yeah, into yeah. Or, or make happen were, were, were hilarious sometimes. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they've really played up on that in more recent games, the fact that you could have these really ridiculous situations. Like, am am I right in thinking Hitman 2, one of the levels there was a bug where you threw a suitcase and it would like fly off into the distance and they then made it into an actual weapon. Oh, yeah. So, yeah.
1: yeah, So the suitcase had a really slow travel time on it Mm. uh, and they fixed it. Uh, but people enjoyed it so much that they just put a suitcase back in the game that specifically had that slow travel time, which people can outrun. So you throw the suitcase at them, and if they run away, it just follows them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Um, but yeah that that sense of humour is definitely something yeah, that yeah. I enjoy and I think they've always had that um, they've just kind of ramped it up in recent, yeah. In yeah. recent um, iterations
1: in, in, in the original Hit- Hitman 2 as well I mean it wasn't the first game that had ragdoll effects but that game is notable for its ragdoll effects <laughs> they were absurd uh, really violent like lots of blood in that game lots of blood against the walls and stuff but when you shoot people with your signature dual wield silver ballers People just go arse over tit and <laughs> somersault into the background. It's ridiculous,
0: but really, really fun. Nice. Nice. Um, all right. So what are we saying for this one then? Steve, would you say this is a game changer? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Uh, Daryl?
2: Yeah, I would. Just because really the fun of a sandbox, really. I think that's what makes it.
0: Hmm. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's it's influenced a lot of stuff going forward, I think. It, it, even if it's just its own if it's even if it's just its own games, um, you know, it's 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 kind of have it's that that genre has become popular. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sandbox and yeah, I think it's uh, definitely a game changer for that. Mm. Um, despite the fact I haven't really played it, I can I can see I can see why it's influenced and how it's influenced things. So yeah, all right. Um, let's move on then um, to back to the GameCube. I'm just kind of hopping around all over the place here. Um, this one is uh, well, it's it's one that hopefully you guys have played. We'll see. Uh, 24th of May it released, and this is Super Smash Brothers Melee. Uh, Daryl. Is this
2: one you play? Oh yes, it is. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> yeah, so I looked at the launch date for the GameCube in the in the UK, and it was May third, two thousand two. So ah, okay. it wasn't too long after, actually, no. between the releases. So I remember buying the GameCube. I remember buying Melee with it as well, and yeah, I just I loved it. It was such a fun game because mm. it was just all the Nintendo characters. This was way before you know Sonic appeared and Snake and everyone else, and. I think, again, what kind of I found a lot of fun about it was the control, really. So much control mm. with that amazing control over GameCube. And, yeah. yeah, just really great. And I loved, like, doing the event matches, you know, where you'd have mm. to play a certain character to do a certain thing. I remember one where um, where Zelda transforms into Sheik. You can do that. But you can, o- oh, you yeah. can only um, kick her out of the stage when she is Sheik, and it counts as a yeah. win. And, yeah, just i really enjoyed it really great time and yeah just not really else to say about it it's like the avengers of its <laughs> time really the avengers of its time in gamecube <laughs> <And> that's it it's <laughs> a good way of putting it good way of putting it um
0: i think wasn't this the one where that snake originally appeared in melee no i it was, have a feeling was brawl. no was it brawl oh that was the wii oh okay uh right. yes yeah brawl was the Wii wasn't it yeah 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 yeah. for for some reason I thought it was GameCube because of Twin Snakes but that that came much later didn't it? in the Mm. GameCube's Mm -hmm. life so yeah yeah, I'm misremembering that one um Steve is this one you've played um
1: I I think I have played it um me and Smash Brothers though have a weird relationship which is that I I, I, I'm pretty sure I would really enjoy it but I've Mm. just never known enough people that play it to really go all in on it so i've never yeah. bought a smash brothers game before and i've never spent more than maybe an hour with every one of them sort of around a friend's house mm-hmm. um so yeah i don't have very much to say i know they're extremely well regarded obviously but um yeah. it's just not something i've had a chance to put a lot of time into
0: yeah fair enough um I, I think i'm very similar to you Stephen. that i well i don't think i've i didn't play a smash brothers game up until the wii u um, version came out and then i've i've since got the um smash brothers ultimate for switch but the only time i've ever played that is with you steve uh mm. that hour that you put into <laughs> wait ultimate that's the only you. time you ever played it only time i played it my god because <laughs> i just I, I don't know it's it's fairly. I mean, it's not impenetrable, but it feels like it's impenetrable to begin with. You know, like it needs a lot of. I mean, I'm talking about ultimate here. I mean, you know, maybe melee is different, but um, maybe it's just a Smash Brothers thing. But the, the amount of moves you have to learn for all the different characters that it's it's very different from any of the fighting games. Mm-hmm. So you are basically having to learn a completely new yeah style of game.
1: I I I don't know that it's the number of moves to remember. I think it's just very unique. It 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 controls very uniquely. It's unlike any mm. other. fighting games so you kind of have to unlearn everything about fighting games that you know to play that one Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and when we were playing ultimate i i i I seem to remember the pair of us just doing i mean we were fighting each other but we were still both doing really badly because we were like i don't understand (laughs) what's going on i don't understand what i'm supposed to be doing
0: (laughs) (coughs) yeah basically that absolutely um I mean, Daryl, are we just get? Are we just are we just getting it all wrong? Do we are we just not understanding the greatness of, of Super <laughs> Smash Bros. here? No,
2: no, no. I I agree because the thing is, I mean, it was a game that I really enjoyed, but I'm not going to say it's a game changer or a yeah you know, a game of a decade because I think it was one of those games where it was nice to have all these Nintendo characters in one game, we could fight them all and stuff. Mm. But to be honest, you know, I think to be honest for me, it was Brawl that kind of solidified Smash Bros. as a franchise really because of sonic because of snake and a few things uh, Mm there, it kind of gave people an idea that characters from other franchises or companies even could appear in a game like this so Mm. i think melee kind of introduced it and it was great and a fun game but that's as far as it goes yeah (coughs) fair enough
0: um i think i think it's Laurie from the switch island uh, sorry if it's not Laurie. um i'm remembering but I, i'm pretty sure Laurie said and he put it quite well that, uh, and this is more to do with ultimate um it's it's kind of like a video game museum because you've got all of these different characters from different places mm. and you've obviously got a lot of these you know you can go and look at the different character models and stuff and all these different spirits mm. that they have and i know this is more to do with ultimate but it uh, you know obviously um melee was uh kind of led up to that but it, it yeah it feels like <clears throat> not just it's not just a fighting game it's it's also like a uh it's like the history of video games in a video game yeah, almost yeah. It's, it's it's kind that's, of
1: that's 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 the part that really appeals to me um mm. but it's just the playing the game part that <laughs> that sort of keeps <laughs> me away from it really
0: fair enough um so daryl it sounds like you're you're saying it's just it's just a game yeah yeah just a game yeah yeah uh, Steve, would you agree? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. I haven't really played it, but um, I, I can't say it's shit. Um, as Rich would say, I can't say it's shit because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shit all over it just because I haven't played it. So uh, <laughs> yeah, let's go with the game. So moving on to uh, a game that hopefully I think we've all played. Um, I'm, I'm going to take a guess. It's it's a fairly big game, pretty big game. Uh, this is an Xbox game released on the 14th of March. Uh, it's Halo Combat Evolved. Um, Daryl is this a game that you have played
2: it certainly is a game i've played yes yes (laughs) 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 oh so yeah first played it on well xbox and yeah just i really surprised me actually because i've Mm. never been i never was a fan of first-person shooters and halo was what really kind of brought it in for me and Mm. it was the level of the assault on the control room where you would go through those you know like tunnels and everything there I think the first level where you could control a banshee as well. I think it was before the library mm-hmm. level. And just so much fun. And it was amazing to me that you could only carry two weapons as well. I don't think I've ever had that mm-hmm. before in a game. And it was just so good. And it's been like that game where it's like how someone kind of wants to read the same book once every year or something just because they want mm-hmm. to. Halo's got that mm-hmm. effect with me. But now because the Master Chief Collection is on PC. And I've got it on this mm. gaming PC now. I've just been playing it non-stop now on the um, <laughs> sort of the control room. It's it's so good. And uh, playing it with co-op as well, it's just another level, to be honest. So, yeah, so much fun. Um, I will say maybe the second half kind of slightly drags a bit, perhaps. Um, maybe when the flood come okay. in. I love the last level, though. Mm. But, yeah, totally love it. And, yeah, it's it's great. <laughs> Great game, um,
0: am I right in saying you've got uh, you got um, the Project X Cloud Beta for Apple? Is that right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the only game. So Halo Master Chief Collection is the only game that's available for it. So have you been playing uh, the Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary via X Cloud? I
2: have. Yeah, yeah. I I, yeah. Um, I reviewed it for um, Stealth, and it was just nice. it was crazy just how good the latency is when I was pairing mm. it. What well, it was a really weird mix of devices actually playing it on an iPad Pro a dual shock 4 <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> you know and it was an xbox game and it yeah. just played so well i couldn't believe it and it did everything multiplayer multiplayer co-op all the mm. missions from Halo one just fantastic worked really well
0: wow it's crazy that we can play a game like that mm. through the cloud don't even need to have a specific game device to play it anymore it's yeah. uh, just whatever device you have that's that's crazy to me because back in the day you know when you when you bought halo you had to play it on the xbox so you mm. have to have an xbox to play it and you know they weren't cheap um and they were big bulky things you know the, the original xbox is a, a fairly beefy console mm-hmm. um but I, I have very specific memories of that at uni and hiring the projector from the library university and playing like um four player uh, four player death match um like on the couch like with the big projector on the <laughs> wall um so so good so good i really love that game um steve is this one that you've played
1: yes i did i played this quite extensively at the time um and yeah i agree with everything uh daryl said it was it was a lot of fun felt really Mm. good to play and i think for myself and a lot of other people sort of a a proof that first person shooters on consoles could not only work but be very playable and very fun and feel very feel very good to control, I think, with Halo specifically. Obviously, it introduced the two-weapon system, which I think is, you know, it feels good from a gameplay perspective, but I think they were also solving the problem of not having a row of number keys to select your weapons Mm. from. Um, but also they had the uh, that holy trinity of uh, shooting melee and grenades, um, mm-hmm. and just deploying one of those three things depending on the situation just feels incredibly good, feels incredibly mm. good to just execute one of those things and know that you've made the right decision, because um, that game is yeah. all about being in the right place and positioning yourself correctly, and. Uh, and flanking people and melling the little guys as they run towards you and sticking the big guys with your uh with your sticky grenades just go- just so good uh it also helps that it looked phenomenal at the time mm. uh it looked amazing and i remember the parts that stand out to me specifically were all the chatter from the marines around you <laughs> Um, because obviously you were followed around by all these little guys well they weren't little guys but because you're Master Chief you're big and tall they seemed small um Mm -hmm. And they're all sort of different nationalities from all over the world. So sometimes yeah. you would hear like Australian guys or Indian guys shouting stuff and jeering <laughs> the enemies and stuff like that. <laughs> um, depending on the environment, it would like echo off the walls and stuff, and it just there was <coughs> a real sense of atmosphere in that game
0: that was uh, really, really good. A really, really fun game to play. Yeah, absolutely. There was. There, I, I think I feel like I say this all the time now, but there was a really good sense of place. Um, like hmm. it was it was so it was so different to a lot of the games I played the fact that you were on this, this constructed world the Halo yeah, and yeah. you could see like off into the horizon it kind of stretching out and it was yeah it was it was it was a really interesting game world that they set in and um, i mean I, i've I've liked the, I've liked the game since but i I think that whenever they set it on specifically a, a, a halo you know one of those worlds it, it feels more like a halo game when they kind of go off and do different things mm. sometimes it's a bit less so um although the when you're on the the forward and is forward unto dawn in four is that right is that the ship that you're on I think so I can't remember I don't remember the name I know in the first game is pillar of autumn is That's that right, right. Yeah, pillar yeah of autumn yeah. So the ships in those games were were, were phenomenal as well, like proper, like, um, it was like low-tech, like industrial Mm. sci-fi stuff, and uh, that was was quite interesting. It was like a good, it was a good play against the alien tech and also the kind of the, the nice lush world that you're on. So I kind of liked the juxtaposition of all of those yeah. three things together, because um, when you went on to like the uh, the alien ships, they were so so different. Mm, from yeah. Anything else? They yeah. were very they were very alien, um, and I think that was they did really well yeah. with, with nailing that. It um
1: it helps you root for the humans in that game as well because all of the sort of marine equipment, all I mean, it was futuristic, but it all sort of resembled real world stuff like the warthog. Yeah. Looked like the kind of thing that the Marines might drive around, and everything just had this sort of grungy militaristic feel to it. It was really cool, mm. Mm.
2: yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, one thing, that I mean, I've, I, think I've, I think I've nailed it since, but at the time, I was never a huge fan of the way that the vehicles drove, like having to use the sticks. Okay. A lot of people
1: struggled with that, yeah. yeah. You just, yeah. Um, you don't steer them, do you? You just point in a direction with the camera and yeah. the car goes in that direction. And I know a yeah. lot of people did struggle with that. So you're not alone on that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> good. Well, that's, that's good at least. At least I'm not, not on my own. I think I've, I'm all right with it now. I think it, it's taken several games <laughs> to, to get used to, but it's just that most people use the triggers to move forward rather than analog stick to accelerate. Yeah. And you know, one of the, one of the, yeah, but it's, it, it's just very different from how mm. a lot of people do it. Mm. And um, I don't know, may, may, there must've been a reason why they chose to do it that way, but it'd be interesting to know exactly why they chose that particular con- control scheme. Maybe we'll, we'll find out at some point. Um, all right, Halo, game changer, Carol.
2: Hmm, Big it's a, I think it's a difficult one. I, I mean, I'm aiming towards yes because there are a lot of control mm. schemes on there and the way it was designed. I think that it is. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it, it is. I don't, I don't really rate the sequels to be honest. This is the only Halo game I properly played, really, and will play repeatedly. Okay. So yeah, I think for its time. It it's a it is a game changer.
0: Okay, cool. Um, Steve, what about you?
2: Yeah,
1: I think. I mean, I, I I'm not like massively enthusiastic calling it a game changer, but I think it would be unfair to say otherwise. I think, mm. I think it's mm. difficult to say that Halo wasn't a game changer. So I will say it's yeah. a game changer.
0: Yeah, I think when you said about the fact that it kind of was a proof of concept that fps games could work on yeah, console yeah. i think just for that reason alone it kind of was a game changer it's uh opened the floodgates for everything else to come um including <laughs> call of duty of course um so yes there we go uh we've got a covered halo there um next up is a sequel to a game that we talked about quite extensively last time and i think we hinted at the fact that it was perhaps our preferred our preferred game in this series um so this is for the ps2 released on the 8th of november and this is grand theft auto vice Mm. city uh steve Mm. let's come to you first um what are your thoughts on this game
1: um uh, it's a, a, a fantastic game um it, it, the the fact that this came out so soon after GTA 3 is sort of incredible the amount of stuff that they changed the amount of improvements mm. that they made how much better it looks how much better it controls um, and my god that soundtrack <laughs> um, yes. everything just comes together in this one and it is just a joy it is an absolute joy it's still really fun to play this now um, mm. it being set in the 80s was an inspired decision um, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if that was driven By um, Their decision to have a soundtrack like that Or if the soundtrack came because of their decision To put it in the 80s but whichever way it went It was inspired <laughs> uh, And it was great I, I've I It's it's not very often that you get to play a new game And, and feel that enthralled by it So immediately um, But this mm-hmm. was one of those times I was absolutely blown away
0: by this one um, Brilliant game Yeah, yeah it's uh i'm gonna say again the sense of place um, was (laughs) (laughs) this is my catchphrase now it was amazing i mean the fact that they set in the 80s in my you know the kind of the facsimile of miami as well with the the neon and the you know it was it was absolutely phenomenal the pastel suits and the Mm -hmm. hair and the uh yeah and the soundtrack yeah phenomenal um daryl what are your thoughts on this one
2: i loved it it's it's still my favorite gta game really you know beyond Mm -hmm. gta 5 and everything else it's it's the game that i got at christmas in 2002 actually and i'd played gta 3 before but for some reason i never got into it i don't know what it was but it was it was a great achievement in the sense of graphics and design just never got Mm -hmm. into it but when it came to vice city i mean oh my god (laughs) the amount of (laughs) the the soundtrack i remember driving in a i think it was a banshee to billy jean and mm-hmm. just <laughs> yeah just like the colors and the blur effects that the ps2 had as well and mm. i think it was the first gta 3d game where you could control a helicopter as well so right, yeah. yeah just having that was amazing really and it's actually um when it came out on pc like i think it was 18 months after someone had modded it to put an online aspect onto it as well called so mm-hmm. i was playing that so much <laughs> with vice <City. laughs> it was so much fun, my like playing against like um i forget the name of the army helicopter it might be a hunter but yeah just doing that online so good and yeah it's definitely one of my favorite games i've ever played of gta and i really want a, a almost like a sequel or remake to come to ps5 or even Vita for no reason <laughs> <laughs> why yeah. not why not
0: um Yeah, well, Rich would love you for it being a Christmas game, I think. Uh, Mm -hmm. Rich loves a Christmas game, (laughs) Um, so that's good. I think that the soundtrack can't be understated either. I mean, you know, it was one of the first things we mentioned, but it is absolutely phenomenal. And not just because of the music, but also the the DJs that they have mm, in between yeah. mm-hmm. as well. And the adverts that they had, the adverts were hilarious. Um, so funny, but I, I remember it most because I think it's one of the first game soundtracks that I bought. Um, like they had a CD collection. They had like a CD for each of the radio stations. Yeah. And it was it was like in this box set. It was really nice. Uh, it was just a really nicely put together soundtrack and it was just it's just the best it's some of the best 80s music as well that they managed to kind of put together on on these uh, CDs um yeah it's 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 a, got a lot of memories for me for sure um i'm gutted that i no longer have the soundtrack either um but i do still have the game i think i've got it on ps3 I mm, think it, they, yeah. they brought it out on ps3 like the ps2 classics that they brought out eventually um so i have to i think i'm gonna have to return to it at some point because uh, this is definitely making me nostalgic for it um so what do we think then is this is this a game changer or is it was it a game this I I, I have a feeling this might be difficult to pin down. Steve, do you think game changer or?
1: Um uh, I d- you know, I think it I-, I think it is a game changer. Um mm. it feels a bit ridiculous to 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 say that almost just because GTA 3 was also and I'm sure uh San Andreas will be <laughs> but I mean <laughs> they're just that damn good. They're just they're just that mm. good. Um uh, and and I think G G GTA Vice City still feels more so than GTA Three. I think Vice City still feels like that turning point for Grand Theft Auto, where it became stratospheric, and it just everybody knows what it is, everybody likes Mm -hmm. it, everybody plays it. You know, and it's become what it is today. And I think Vice Mm -hmm. City was that was that moment.
0: I'm just thinking about it now. Sorry, it came to my head. Was the character in GTA Three? uh, mute. Yes, I think yes, he, he was, it. yeah. But he, the, the character in GTA Vice City had a voice. That's he right, did, yes. Ray Liotta yes. voiced him. That's it. Uh, so
1: that, that was uh, the first time they did that, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and that kind of was a the, huge the difference as well, yeah.
0: Yeah. Sorry, that just came to my head as you were talking about that. Because that, that, that made a huge difference. Well, it did. And they've uh, done it, that going forward. Yeah,
1: it's important to note because, I mean, the story in GTA 3 is all right, but Vice City mm-hmm. is also where that whole story heavy focus thing started and it's not something you could really
0: do with a mute protagonist no that's true that's true um daryl what do you think game game changer
2: a hundred percent a game changer really i kind of feel like gta 3 introduced the mechanics of what a gta game could be in 3d but vice city like totally just nailed it with with how it was for a gta game and then san andreas built upon it so Total game changer with the music, the set and the design, the voice acting, I think, as well, which, which is great. And actually, you know, I'll even go further to say to a point, it was that online mod as well that really made it as well. It, it made me, it introduced me to like an online game in that setting, which was amazing mm-hmm. for 2003. Mm-hmm. And some of the mods that I used to see as well were just insane. So, yeah, definite game changer.
0: <laughs> we didn't actually see a proper online mode in a GTA game until 4 is that yeah. right like a, a, an official there one. was
1: a there was one of the PSP games had not online but it had peer to peer multiplayer uh, and my friend okay. i don't remember which one it was liberty city stories stories i think mm. but that was so that was the first multiplayer ishness but okay. no you're right there was no online
0: until until 4 yeah, I remember 4 being great multiplayer wise, but yeah, the the Vice City having multiplayer sounds like a bit of a treat. Yeah, so, so uh, that
1: I, that was also a bit of a technical marvel as well because that engine was not built for multiplayer, um, and they mm-hmm. really had to like properly hack that thing in for that to work. And they did a a really good job. I, rem- I, I remember that being really fun as well. Running around with chainsaws
0: uh, <laughs> is something that stands out in my mind. <laughs> um. So I, I was I was gonna struggle to say this was a game changer because like you said like we said earlier, because GTA three was one. But hearing you guys talk about it and how it was, I think you're probably right. I mean probably all the Grand Theft Auto games in their own way are gonna be game changers, so why fight it? Yeah, game changer, <laughs> why not? It was it was it was a fantastic game. Yeah, so I think Game Changer is right. Cool. All right. Um moving on, um we have a game A game that is it's a bit of an odd one um it had two releases in this year oddly so the first release was on pc on the 2nd of may and then later on in the year it came to the xbox on the 22nd of november um this is it's a franchise that is now absolutely huge and this is probably kind of where it started but it's a bit of an anomaly this is the elder scrolls 3 morrowind um so obviously oblivion was probably the biggest the, the one that kind of brought it Elder Scrolls to the attention to everybody but Morrowind is the first real um big Elder Scrolls game I think as in is in quite a large open world am I right in saying that Steve? Um
1: it's not one of the first ones set in a large open world um cuz that's kind of been the Elder Scrolls thing um okay. for a while before this but it's certainly the first one that was like full 3D okay. I think the games yeah. prior to this used a lot of 2D sprites and sort of very mm. simple geometry. Um, so this is the first one where it was like a full three D environment. Um, yeah. Mm.
0: Um, and what what are your, what are your particular thoughts on on Morrowind? So uh, I
1: really want t- wanted to like Morrowind, um, but it wasn't until they uh, dumbed it down and made it for dumb people like me um, with Oblivion that I that I really got into the Elder Scrolls games. I we feel differently about this kind of thing now, but at the time, mm. I was very much put off by the sort of dice roll elements of the combat. I didn't like the fact that I could hit stuff with my sword and see it physically hit the thing in 3D space, but do zero damage because the dice roll dictated mm. that I missed. I just, I don't know, I just couldn't get on with that. I, I really liked the potential for, like, adventure in that game. Um, yeah. And obviously, the idea of having this massive 3D open world to explore uh hmm. but i don't know the combat just felt really bad for me at the time um i'd hmm. I, I i'd be more accepting of something like that now but at the time yeah. mm, wasn't wasn't for me sadly
0: yeah that's fair enough um i think think thinking of it, the reason i kind of was saying at the beginning that it was a bit of a weird one is because Oblivion and Skyrim have kind of lent far more into the traditional fantasy setting, so you know more medieval, dragons, all that kind of stuff. But Morrowind was very um it, it was kind of a much darker environment. Mm-hmm. You had the weird beast things that would kind of travel help you travel around and stuff. It was like this really bizarre fantasy setting which they didn't really carry forward for the for the future games as as much. Um so it was it was bizarre in that sense and I I do remember playing it but i I don't think i've finished it because it's such a huge game and and like you said i think i had a a bit of an issue with the combat as well with the it it is that thing of in a 3d game if you see a sword hit something yeah you expect it to have have done some kind of damage regardless um so it's difficult to kind of get behind that but like you i think i kind of it it grew on me eventually in future games um daryl is this is this a game that you
2: played back in the day or is this, is this one that you've enjoyed? I've never had an interest in this game, to be honest. <laughs> I'll say right <laughs> off. Um, yeah, they've just never appealed to me. So um, yeah, I might just meet my Mick for this period of time and eat an Oreo or something. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, I think
0: Morrowind's a divisive one, isn't it? Like, I think most people would say f- for sure Skyrim is kind of... <coughs> critically acclaimed across the board really it's it's one of the you know it's one of those that people can see regardless of whether they've played it or not they can see the uh, why people like it mm. i think morrowind is is more difficult to say that about because it's it's so bizarre and because it's it, it's very different um from a lot of things i mean I, I have a feeling that we're all going to settle on game for this, but is, it, is there a case for this being a game-changer, do you think, Steve, I th- at all? Or? I
1: think there definitely is a case for it. I just don't think any of us can make it. Um, mm. I, it a lot of people really do love Morrowind. Um, a lot of people wish Bethesda would return to Morrowind. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, it was a very unique setting. Uh, it was very unlike fan- like a fantasy setting you might see in any other game um so uh, uh, also uh, like a lot of people think that oblivion was the turning point for the elder scrolls but i, I think it sort of started with morrowind um yeah. didn't it come out on the xbox i think so i think the elder scrolls got in front of a lot of eyeballs with morrowind first Mm. before oblivion so i i I, there's certainly a case for it but um yeah we're just we're just not the people to make it so i mean i would i would say game at this point
0: fair enough uh daryl would you would you say it's a game you're gonna are you gonna shit on it or it's
2: certainly a game
0: and i'll go there (laughs) (laughs) fair enough fair enough um yeah i think it's a game I, I i do wish that we could make the case for it but yeah you're right steve it's di- it's difficult for us to do so uh we need to have somebody who's like played countless hours of mm. it to go into the de- details and ins and outs of it um and again maybe that's a that maybe the elder scrolls are a deep dive that we do down the road somewhere mm-hmm. and get an expert in but yeah yeah it's definitely a game and it's it's one that i would love to get back into one day especially on the xbox i think um it was a bit of an achievement on the xbox as yeah. well so uh there we go all right um We've got two games left, um, and I think they're pretty good games, and they they're starting to be a bit indicative of the time that we've come to in gaming. Um, the first one of our last two um, is one that released on the eleventh of October. This was on the PS2. It did release on other platforms later, but I think it released on PS2 first, and that's Burnout 2. Um, now I'm going to come to Daryl first, Daryl. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on burnout too yeah
2: yeah it was the game that introduced me to the burnout series really and it was just amazing because i've been playing a lot of racing games of say like the rally games like v rally and colin mcrae mm. and, and all those games and it was great but it was nice to have an actual different racer that kind of prided itself on just going fast it didn't care about like mm. you know <laughs> listening to your side driver going turn right turn left take a u-turn <laughs> this thing was just full-on boost and just in this game particularly it was avoiding the traffic it was racing mm. against other um cars and making sure you won and it was great it had that kind of pringle effect i thought um yeah but you'd just be doing so many racing go oh just one more race just one <laughs> more race mm. and i'll do it and yeah the amount of cars you could collect were just amazing really and yeah and of course you know the boost feature is is it's it's burnout that's what it is you know yeah. as soon as you hear about a boost function you think about burnout straight away so yeah um really enjoyed it really great um but yeah the sequel i would say now is one of my favorite games of all time this one introduced me to it
0: yeah burnout 3 that was takedown wasn't it the third yeah. game that was mm-hmm. uh yeah that was a big one um was it the third game that introduced crash mode or was that in two as well oh that was in two as well yeah yeah that was in two as well yeah that was a big part of it as well um steve what are your (laughs) thoughts about burnout
1: um so i didn't play burnout two i played a lot of burnout
0: three but um okay
1: that so yeah three was my introduction um and i I did love it um so i assume i would like Two as well but um yeah uh, i never i never actually played it
0: yeah okay fair enough um yeah, I think it's. I think weirdly, I don't think many people have, or I don't think a lot of people have much to say about the first Burnout game. Uh, it's always Burnout Two that people start with. Um. So
1: I, I think I'm pretty sure I watched you play the first game, and I remember thinking it just looked kind of generic. It mm-hmm. was kind of uh, because it doesn't have um, it doesn't have uh, uh, licensed vehicles in it, no. and I remember thinking. Eh, like this is just kind of like a generic <laughs> racy racy game and i don't i didn't really understand it um mm. which is maybe unfair um I, I don't know like what what was B- burnout one like did it have the same sort of crashing in it and all, all that stuff
2: i don't remember
0: i don't think i had to the same extent do you remember daryl honestly
2: i was so ignorant about this i thought burnout 2 was the first series <laughs> the first game in the series <laughs> um, at the time so yeah i don't remember the first game at all
0: no that's what I mean. That's what, I mean. That's why I said it. I, I don't think because I don't even remember. I think I don't think I played it. I don't think you've watched me play it, Steve. I think oh, I really? started with two. Yeah. Maybe it was one. Uh, maybe it was one of our other friends mm, yeah. played it. But I, I think it was just. I think it was. I mean, it was Criterion. So I'm, I'm guessing the racing itself was probably great. Um, but maybe it didn't have quite as much going on as as two. Maybe two is where things like crash mode began, perhaps. But um, yeah, it, it definitely wasn't until two that that it kind of became. This big deal, um, and to me, it's you know one of my favorite games, one of my favorite Dreamcast games, and of all time is is Power Stone. And I think Burnout did for racing games what Power Stone did for fighting games, which was yeah. completely mm. it did something completely different. Yeah. Um, it kind of messed with the formula, um, but in a great way. Um, and yeah, it's uh, I mean Burnout Two. I mean I, I will agree, Burnout Three is probably the better game. Um, I loved that. Again, that was, I think Burnout 3 was another one that we hired the projector from the university <laughs> library to play and we would just all take turns trying to cause the biggest pile up, basically. Um, but yeah, Burnout 2 was absolutely a, f- a phenomenal game. The the, the diff, like you said, Daryl, uh, the different cars that you could have. Um, and I, I know they're all generic and they were kind of facsimiles of, you know, real world cars to a degree, but I think... I think the reason for that is because you were smashing them up, <laughs> and at the time that was a time yeah, that yeah. manufacturers did not like you smashing up their mm. cars in a game. Um, they've kind of come round a little bit now, I think. Um, but yeah, back at the, in those days, it was just wasn't not wasn't on. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. It's it just did something completely different with the, with the racing game formula. Um, it's almost like a party game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like Power Stone. Person 2 specifically there was a there was a party vibe behind it and uh yeah introduced a lot that was just it was just fun you know uh, it it was fun to play and that's what stuck with me through the years it's just how how exciting and and interesting it was to 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 kind of put that game on and and play it Mm. um all right we've got anything else to say about burnout 2 we good i think no
1: um no, I think we're good. Uh, other than um, I wish they would make another Burnout.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, that would be great, and maybe a more traditional one because I I liked Burnout Paradise, but I I kind of missed the traditional yeah yeah race yeah. structure and stuff. But yeah, um, all right. What are we saying? Game game changer, Daryl?
2: No, not yet. No. Uh, no, I feel like it's a prelude to um, Burnout Three. To be honest, to be a game changer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay okay that makes sense so a game then a a solid game yeah uh
1: steve uh i think that's very sensible and i will agree i think it's a game
0: okay yeah i think i would agree um yeah i think burnout was uh, burnout 3 was definitely the Mm. better one but yeah cool all right, last game that I've got on my list to talk about um, is um, it's a, an Xbox game. Uh, it's the beginning of a franchise um, that people still talk about today. Uh, in fact, it's part of a franchise that's still ongoing today. It's Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell. Uh, Tom, the Tom Clancy franchise being pretty huge. Um, and this came out on the 29th of, the, uh, yeah, the 29th of November on Xbox. Um, Steve, mm. do you have... Uh, well... Putting this to you, you love Metal Gear. Metal Gear is a stealth game. Yeah. Um, did you come to Splinter Cell expecting more of the same? Or did so, I, you know...
1: a common marketing uh, technique at the time, um, mm. uh, less so now, thankfully, um, is that games would come out in sort of... Competing in the same genre, and they would be described as, you know, mm-hmm. the, the X killer, like the MGS killer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, I... <laughs> Stupidly, I had an aversion to this game at the time because I was an MGS guy, and how <laughs> dare another game come into this genre and uh, and try and kill uh, try and kill Snake. Um, so I I I I barely played this at the time. I have gone back since, mm. um, I, and I do I do like it. Um, I I think the 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 first game compared to the games that came after it, I think the first game is like kind of clumsy um Mm. a lot of it a lot of the stuff that you can do is really cool like doing the leg split on the wall and all that yeah but it's barely ever useful and it's really hard to pull off and the stealth mechanic of only having three only being allowed to be spotted three times um that is the first game isn't it where you're only allowed to be spotted three times uh possibly yeah it's 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 both nonsensical um and very frustrating to play the game that way mm. um so i i have an appreciation for splints for splint cell uh i i think the first one looked phenomenal um mm-hmm. and the product the production value was really high um but as a game i don't think it quite nailed it i don't think they quite got
0: it right until late until later on in the series okay uh was, was the second one was pandora t- pandora pandora tomorrow, tomorrow yeah. yes yeah yeah was it, do you think that's the way they kind of started to i think so yes it's where track. it all started to become
1: yeah. a bit more refined and a bit less uh a bit less clumsy and a bit less um th- they were they were very i don't know it felt like they were tripping over themselves to be too realistic and rigid because it was a tom clancy mm-hmm. game um yeah, yeah but they sort of let go of that as time went on and the games became more fun to actually play mm-hmm.
0: yeah Fair enough. Uh, Daryl, what are your thoughts on Splinter Cell? Uh,
2: to be honest, I think it's just kind of mirroring what Steve says, really. Um, it was a kind of clumsy game to begin with. <laughs> um, I feel like mm-hmm. even though the graphics were really great and um, a lot of the effects there were fantastic and a few of the gadgets as well were really fun, I, I kind mm-hmm. of felt like it was almost like rushed, really, to release, really. There wasn't really a lot of focus. Mm-hmm. And I think especially because it was the same year that Metal Gear Solid 2 did come out, I felt like there mm-hmm. was a little bit of maybe imposter syndrome back in the day, mm. maybe yeah. a bit of pressure, and they kind of got confused as to what they wanted the game to be. So I feel like it suffered. Mm. And I feel like, like you both said, I think it is Pandora Samurai, which it really kind of starts to hit its stride and starts to become mm. its own game almost. But uh, yeah, for this one, it's a bit of a clunky entry, but it's got kind of like the signs of something that it could become a good game, which it did. So yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. Yeah. I I—I I mean, I, I struggle to pull apart which games are which in my memory. So, you know, like if you've got these memories of playing Splinter Cell and I can't remember which parts of Pandora tomorrow, which parts of chaos theory, which parts of the original, because you had that trilogy of releases for the original Xbox. those three splinter cell games. Um, and they were all, I mean, they're all great, but they were all very similar looking. Um, and they all kind of, uh, kind of had different, very, very similar themes and stuff like that. I think one thing that, that I loved about the splinter cell games, um, at least to begin with, and I think they carried that on is that, that, you know, there were Tom Clancy games. so There was that whole sense that they had to have a good story behind them as well. So you had, uh, and good characters, um, you know this is a guy who's famous for creating jack ryan and you know all that kind of stuff so sam fisher felt like a well fleshed out mm. character perhaps mm. not in the first game as much he kind of became fleshed out as you kind of carried on in the games with him but even in the first game i think there was something about him and the was it michael ian's that's right who voiced, yeah. voiced him um they kind of gave him they imbued him with this this character from the get-go um that made it appealing, um, and there was you know the whole thing with his daughter. I don't know if that was in the first game or later on, but you know he had he had this backstory, he had things going on, he had a life um, and a history and a past, um, and I think that was re- that really played into it really well, um, and not just that I think that they. They, they, you know, the stealth genre at the time with, you know, like you said, the Metal Gear Solid, with, it was a big thing. And they brought in a lot of different aspects to it. You know, you had the different... Um, so you had, his obviously, his very famous uh, visor that had the mm-hmm. three uh, green dots. Uh, so, you know, if, if you saw that today, you'd know instantly that it's Splinter Cell. Um, but you had the different kind of the night vision and the the heat vision and all that kind of stuff. And being able to kind of, get, you know, hide some, makeup like, up onto in a corridor, do the kind of the wall splits, um, as you said, Steve, and then kind of get, get your night vision out to have a look and see what was going on. That was, it felt realistic because it's Tom Clancy, I suppose it had to, because uh, it's set in, in today's world. Um, and it felt very different from Metal Gear. Um, it, it felt, it felt like it was pushing, uh the stealth genre yeah into a, into yeah. a different mm. direction and i and i quite enjoyed that about it um so yeah i think for me it was it, it was a really interesting game but i think you i think you're both right in the fact that it, it wasn't it wasn't the best of the games and uh it was probably a bit clunky to begin with yeah. they hadn't quite figured it out um okay in light of that are we think what are we saying are we saying game game changer um Steve? i think yeah i think game i think game is fair yeah
2: uh Darryl, what do you think yeah game yeah it's it's game. it's not the right time for splinter cell really to be a, a game changer so yeah <laughs> just game
0: okay fair enough um yeah i think i'd agree game definitely um just just in case we never bring up a splinter cell game again it's probably it's probably likely we will um out of all of them i mean obviously we're waiting on another mm. another splinter cell game it'd be nice if they made a new one at some point out of all the ones they released which one would you think was the best
1: So, the. I don't remember what the subtitle on it was, but the latest one that they released. a lot of Blacklist, I think it was. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, a lot of people did not like that, and I actually really, mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. I thought it was a fantastic oh, really? game. Yeah, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. They dropped Michael Ironside, which sucks. Um, yeah. Sam Fisher was voiced by some other guy. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, but despite that, I thought that was an incredibly well-made game, and I really, really enjoyed it. And it had a lot of really good co-op in it, in it as well, which I, uh, which I thoroughly nice. really enjoyed playing.
2: Awesome. Daryl, what was your favorite? I remember playing Chaos Theory. I think that was the third game Splinter Cell. Yeah. Um, I remember enjoying that game a lot, to be honest, and uh, yeah, um, just a really good time, really, and uh, I think like you said, I think we're all waiting for a new entry to be announced, and I think it's the right time, really, now. Mm. So I'd be interested to see how a Splinter Cell game would play on the latest consoles, and again, yeah. even a Switch as well, just because.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of, it's weird because they put that stuff into uh into Ghost Recon um Wildlands Mm. they put they put Sam Fisher into it and they got Michael Ironside back and he recorded lines for it and I remember everyone saying like there is just there is no way Ubisoft is going to get Michael Ironside to come in and record lines for a bit of DLC on Wildlands this is definitely indicative that there's going to be a new Splinter Cell game and it turns out Mm -hmm. Ubisoft would do that because that's (laughs) all they did
0: (laughs) that that was Backly. crazy yeah um and it's such a shame because uh, you know it's it's not like my client side's getting any younger either if they're going to get him back from New no, New no, the yeah. game they need yeah. to do it quickly um <laughs> it would be interesting to see my client side as sam fisher as a an older an older guy i think they did i think in some of the later games they kind of aged him a bit didn't they mm. in, in, in sam fisher mm. um but yeah it'd be interesting i think i think they had a bit of a misstep with double agent in the middle somewhere mm. I think that was after Chaos Theory. And then they came back with Conviction. It was Conviction and then it was Blacklist. I think Conviction and Blacklist were pretty damn good games. Um, They they were kind of taking Splinter Cell in the right direction. And it's kind of a shame that they ended with Blacklist because I think if they'd have done another game after that, they would have kind of found the sweet Mm -hmm. spot Mm -hmm. um, for for that. Um, They just never got to it. Um, Cool. Okay. Okay. Well, those are the thirteen games that I'd written down to talk about. <laughs> Quite a lot of games. <laughs> um, we've gone through them all. Um, so, Steve, as last time, if you have any that you want to bring up, I think Game of the Year is the right place to do it. Sure. Um, but we've gone through thirteen, so I'm, I'm guessing there might not be that many. No, no, to, I'm, to pretty, sure, about, I'm pretty, pretty sure. I'm
1: pretty sure we've honest. covered everything. <laughs>
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um Daryl is there any are there any others from 2002 that kind of stick out that we haven't covered?
2: Uh not really. It's just on a 2 to be honest. <laughs> That's really <laughs> it.
0: Fair enough. And yeah, we covered that at the very beginning. Um yeah, and that was that was definitely a good mm. game. Um and I do want to revisit on a you're completely right that they really need to bring it yep. to switch. Yeah, for sure. Um, because it just makes sense to. The first one's on there, why not the second one? And why not the third one yep. in fact? Um all of them, just bring them all. <laughs> Every single one um all right, well, this then is the point um, of the show where Rich goes against our guest in the uh, the quiz. Of course, rich isn't with us, so because of that, Steve, mm. you're gonna take up rich's mantle this time. okay uh, you need to defend his uh, his score because at the moment he's got three and the guests have got two. <gasps> oh no. So <laughs> if you lose this one, then the guests have gone level. Um, rich and, uh, Rich, I'm very sorry. <laughs> really, very angry at you if you lose. Um, <laughs> Daryl, this means that it's a lot of expectation on your shoulders. Oh, pressure. Um, so this is, uh, as people who've listened regularly will know, this is a quiz uh, where we figure out which year the game came out. Um, this time, of course, it's 2002 or 2012. So I'm going to read out a game title for each of you, and you just need to tell me what year it came out. Was it 2002 or 2012? Um, usually i'll start with rich um obviously he's not here so that means that steve you're gonna go first Mm -hmm. um and your first title uh which you need to tell me which year it came out is spirit camera the cursed memoir uh
1: spirit camera the cursed memoir
0: i'm gonna say
1: 2002
0: 2002 uh do you want to hazard a guess at the console it came out on Wait, wait, wait.
1: 2002 or 2012? Yeah. 2012.
0: Oh, we've not had this before. 2012 of, uh... and it came out on the PS3. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't give points for console. Um, if I did, you wouldn't get one anyway. Uh, it was 2012, but it was 3DS. Oof. Nice. So there you go. You were right to change your mind. Phew. That was quite... <laughs> Am I allowed to do oh. that? Are you... <laughs> well... <laughs> I'd have told you if you could. Okay, all right, um, cool. Good. <laughs> you're welcome, Rich. That is a point. <laughs> Good, to... start <laughs> yes. Good start there. Good um, start, Daryl. You're yes. up next, and uh, your game title is
2: Hurdy Gurdy. Oh, that's 2002 straight away. Oh, that's an <laughs> <Yeah>. easy one. <laughs> you know this one well. <laughs> yeah i remember that <laughs> it was weird actually do you know which yeah um because we were actually talking about it last week um <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. on the agency job they were like do you remember this game i'm like oh yeah hurdy so great that was great um i wow. think it was ps2 uh i th- yeah 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 Ooh, god
1: go. i remember that having a really right. a really nice look to it right that had like a really nice art
0: style if i remember rightly
2: yeah yeah really good
0: amazing <laughs> I thought that was quite obscure, but obviously not. <laughs> um, <laughs> Can you give me a low ball next, please? I'll, I'll do my best, uh, Steve. Your next one then is uh, uh, Scooby Doo: Night of a Hundred Frights.
1: Oh.
0: Night of a Hundred Frights. Oh, I don't
1: bloody know. Mm. Um, that sounds like a DS game or something. I don't know. T- 2012.
0: All right, I'm going to take that as your answer, and it's wrong. Uh, it was 2002 on the PS2 and GameCube. Bugger. Damn. Well, you still won each. Um, if Daryl gets this one, he pulls ahead. Daryl, your next game is Dropship United Peace Force.
2: I'm going to go with 2002. Do you
0: want to hazard a guess at the console?
2: I think it's Xbox.
0: You've got one out of the two, right? It was 2002. Unfortunately, oh. it wasn't Xbox. It was PS2. Oh, okay. Nice. So that's uh, two to Daryl. Steve, if you don't get this one right, mm. you've definitely lost.
1: When I don't get this one right?
0: Uh, yeah, or that. There. <laughs> Steve, your game mm. is Death Row. Death Row. Mm-hmm. Uh...
1: I don't have a bloody clue. (laughs) Death row. Let's go for. (laughs) See, it's kind of a, it's kind of an edgy title that one, Mm. and I, I don't know if it's the kind of thing that would be released in two thousand and two. That feels two thousand and twelve edgy to me. So I'm gonna go for two thousand and twelve.
0: Rich is not going to be happy, Steve, it was 2002 on the Xbox, Um, very sorry Rich, Steve has let you down completely, Um, so Daryl has won, Um, but let's just do the other two questions just because, so we've got Daryl's last question, we have the tiebreaker, Uh, let's see what we can do, Daryl, your last question, um, should you have needed it, uh, would have been Steel Battalion Heavy Armour?
2: 2002 on the Xbox.
0: It's a bit of a trick question from me. That was 2012 on the Xbox really?
2: 360.
0: Really? Oh, no. Wow. Yeah. They released a sequel to Steel Battalion oh, for the Kinect.
1: Why didn't you ask him that instead of Hurdy Gurdy? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I've asked him both technically, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, the tiebreaker then. Um, I'll come to you first, Steve, for this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Zone of the Enders, The Fist of Mars. Um,
1: 2012.
2: Daryl, what would you say for that one? Oh, I'm, I cannot feel like it's 2002 and it was on the Game Boy Advance.
0: Daryl, that's completely... Yes. Oh, my God. 2002 <laughs> on the Game All Boy right, Advance. Fine. You
2: deserve to win.
0: <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> A worthy winner. Uh, Daryl, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> You have won the quiz. There is no oh. prize, but you've got bragging rights. Yes. Um, <laughs> you can tell everybody you won. Um, that also means that now um, it's three to Rich and three to the guests. So it's level pegging um, going into the last half of the golden years. So let's see if uh, Rich, when he comes back, can uh, can claw it back again. Hmm. Um, there we go. Great. All right, that is the quiz. <laughs> that is that done. Um, oh, Steve, I feel I feel really bad for you. Uh. Rich is not going to be happy. Um, <laughs> i can take him it's fine. so yeah be fine um all right well that's all we've got time for today uh, of course it was a bit of a bumper i was gonna say it was, it was a bumper episode but to be honest it's about the same length as all the other episodes <laughs> just we happened to talk about 13 games rather yeah. than we next. always um, we always
1: plan for an hour we're just really bad at timekeeping
0: <laughs> really bad so bad um but yeah it was, it's been really great to chat to you, you too. um thank you for coming on thanks daryl um no Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit more about where we can find you and and what you're up to? Yeah,
2: sure. So I can mainly be found on Twitter. It's just my full name, nothing else. Um, People can usually spell my first name wrong for some reason, but it is just Daryl. It's not Dali, as I had on a certificate at school (laughs) once. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I'm doing um, Pal Keys, which is series two. I'm in progress of recording that. So I'm hoping to get that out in April, early April time on a Friday again and because i've got this writing thing i think i'm going to do fortnightly because i think if i did weekly i would just shrivel up in a ball and scream so yeah (laughs) just to help me out it's going to be fortnight so yeah that's pretty much it
0: nice um and that's at daryl baxter on twitter Yeah, yeah lovely um and uh all right thanks very much for that and uh, just to just to remind us what so what, what do you kind of cover in the pal keys what's uh what's the setup of the podcast so i
2: just interview a guest every time and have a chat about their career and everything there but there's also two main questions which is a memorable ge- blah, 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 memorable game and a mm-hmm. memorable boss stage as well which has been nice. very unique answers in its 50 episodes so far so i'm looking forward oh, to all nice. right
0: amazing yeah um, and I, I, obviously, as we mentioned earlier, I was on one of those mm. episodes. It was very, it was a very fun chat. <laughs> um, I enjoyed it. Thank you for having That's me nice. on. And, um, yeah, so 50 episodes, plenty to listen to. So if you, uh, if you fancy, uh, listening to Daryl chat with lots of people from different, different aspects and different areas of the, it's not just the games industry, is it? You talk to people, it's different, lots of different people from different, different areas yeah. from tech and all sorts yeah,
2: of Yeah, I'm trying to anyway now. Yeah. Definitely kind of yeah. maybe try and vary it out a bit more now
0: nice so lots of interesting mm. people that daryl chats to and you can listen to them talk all about their uh memorable mm. games memorable boss stages um yeah very good um so thanks very much again yeah, Daryl. thank you um steve mm. whereabouts can we find you on the worldwide uh, you
1: can find me at steve jack on twitter uh, you can find me very occasionally loitering on the switch island um mm. and as always i'll be on the dreamcast years podcast as well
0: Awesome. Um, And you can find me at Oddment84. Uh, You can find all of us um, on the, the dreamcast years podcast at dreamcast years on twitter um you can also find me occasionally loitering around the switch island as well at the switch island um hopefully i'll be back again a bit more often soon enough um also um, just a shout out for rich as well he created a new podcast recently um which is uh, three pricks and a podcast yes it is pricks <laughs> spelled p-r-i-x um it is about f1 uh so rich myself and mark we all talk about um the latest race, unfortunately, because of uh, COVID nineteen, all the races have been suspended. So we picked the best one <laughs> to create a podcast about F one. So at the moment, just listen to us chat about the news that's going on and potentially old seasons and old races as well. Um, and hopefully, once the session, once the season has been resumed, uh, we'll give you kind of a a lowdown on uh, on the race days as they come through. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's that. So that's uh, you can find that on Twitter at Three Pricks um if I remember rightly, <laughs> um, And that's pricks, P R I X if you type in P R I C K S I'm sure that'll take you to something completely <laughs> different. Um so be careful. Um and also you can find us on uh, the Dreamcast Years um on Discord. If you check uh, the Dreamcast Years Twitter, you'll find a link to the Discord channel there. Um it's pretty quiet at the moment um <laughs> to be being honest, but um come on, have a chat. We've got loads of uh, loads of uh interesting stuff to chat about i'm sure uh, all the different years all the different consoles all the different games um and also please if you've enjoyed the podcast or any of our any of our podcasts um please uh, rate us on your podcast app of choice um whatever stars you want to give i'm not going to force you to give us five stars but you know be nice um <laughs> and uh, yeah feel free to uh, feel free to leave us a written review as well and any that we get we will try and read out because when i said that and also it's kind of funny um that's it. I think that's all we've got to say. Um, anybody got anything? Any last-minute things that they want to? Uh,
1: wash mention? your hands, everyone.
0: Yes. <laughs> yep. So important. Yep. Wash your hands. Don't buy so much toilet yes, paper. Yes, that too. Yeah. Like Who, who <laughs> needs that much? Seriously. You only have one ass. Um, <laughs> come on. That's true. And, and COVID nineteen isn't even a shitting. Us, <laughs> <you> know, like, <laughs> it's, it's it's nonsensical. Really is. Um, anyway topical um (laughs) thank you very much for listening and um until next time keep dreaming
1: bye now farewell